Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The only place you can begin this morning is the front of this morning's Echo, back where we belong. Our first All-Ireland hurling final in eight years. And the crowds were back in Croker yesterday. What was it, 24,000, I think, in Croke Park yesterday? It was kind of, it was lovely to see, and it was even lovelier to hear them. And to see the colour of the Cork fans and Cork supporters. It was, And you know what, 40,000 will be uh, for the final. When Cork take on Limerick on the 22nd of August. And I suppose um, the question being asked on everyone's lips now is where, where do you get a ticket? It's far from capacity, so there's going to be a lot less tickets and much more demand. But it's absolutely what I mean. I mean, he's right, Rory, when he uses the word epic. Isn't hurling the most amazing game when it's played at the highest level? I mean, nothing compares to it. Really doesn't. Uh, so more of that in a few minutes' time. Cork's success against Kilkenny yesterday. And there's lovely supplements with various newspapers. I'll come back to all of that a little later. Uh, but the papers also this morning talk about our golden girl. I'd call her Kelly's hero after the movie. But uh, Kelly Harrington, they say that she is marketing and advertising gold and will be for a long night. You're going to see her everywhere. You're going to see her selling things, advertising things, marketing. She's going to make a fortune of money out of this. But more importantly, her gold medal. She, medal. she fought her way. And if you watch the, the, the match, the bout, not the best start, uh, but it goes to show it's not how you start that matters. It's almost like a Brenda Dennehy-ism. It's not how you start them that matters. It's how you finish. So Golden Girl and souvenir posters making the red tops today. Golden Wonder, they call her in the sun. Um, Kelly has the nation in Wonderland. Great photographs. Big beaming smile. But there is a story, the inside pages of uh, the examiner. And it goes to show how sporting heroes can um, inspire young people youngsters, kids and teenagers, apparently at her boxing club in Dublin, a place called Buckingham Street Club in Dublin's north inner city. They've been inundated with applications from youngsters hoping to join and learn how to box since uh, Katie Harrington's, Kelly Harrington's medal win uh, during the week. And what's really incredible about, okay, so Kelly Harrington, you know, gold medalist from this club that only has one toilet, apparently. And the toilet is only for boys. Uh, doesn't that really speak volumes uh, about how much we invest in sport and particularly in women's sports? Uh, another sporting story. Apparently, thugs, they're up on a rampart, right? The pundits at soccer matches. So they're open to the elements and open to the crowds and supporters. So there you have Roy Keane, apparently, along with others, including, um, you know, the people on the, on the panel. I think Ian Wright was there as well. Um, Saturday's community shield game between Leicester and Man City and soccer fans, thugs, if you like, uh, were hurling abusive insults. I won't even. I won't even use the words. I won't even spell out the words that they were calling Roy Keane. Uh, um, and that's the story that makes the inside pages of the of the Red Tops today, and particularly the Mirror. Pundit's colleague Wright hits out at online disgraceful behaviour. Uh, so it started and the math match, and then, of course, it took off then online afterwards, as things usually do. A lot of weather-related stories making the papers today. Uh, they're saying that we're going to get wetter. I'm not quite sure as to when the serious rain they're talking about is going to come. But it's more to do with fire, I think, across the world at the moment. Like the sun today talks about uh, thousands of people fleeing a fire apocalypse in Greece, particularly in the Greek islands. So we've had Greece, Turkey, Canada, the USA, and I was reading this morning also that Italy 
has problems with very, very high temperatures that are sparking fires. So many people are putting that down uh, to um, uh, to global warming. Of course, what you would put COVID down to, I don't know. How it all started, I don't know. Where it came from, certainly China, but whether it was a, a wet meat market or whether it was a lab, I don't know. But right now, it's a young person's virus because the only people really and truly, to be quite honest, 100%, the only people that are really getting uh, COVID-19 in any amount of volume at all, and it's nothing like the volume of before, is, to, is the 16 to 34-year-olds. They're driving the spread. And one can only assume <coughs> that that spread will decrease as more 16 to 34-year-olds get vaccinated. So only 3% of cases or on people age 65 and over. Um, and, and, of course, they are now talking about uh, rolling out the vaccine uh, to the teens. But the papers also this morning say, if you look at the numbers, and I'm loath to look at them, unless they're good news, because I'm trying to accentuate the good news, if at all possible. We have 190 uh, inpatients in hospital with 30 in ICU. But the ICU figure is down, and it's important to say that. A lot of the different debates then that are coronavirus-related, of course, are what should be open, what shouldn't be open. I'll be coming back to the fiasco of a coalition government that's running the country a little later on this morning. Uh, but the priests now are asking that anything to do with communions and the preparation for communions and confirmations should be all moved away from schools and should be completely and utterly taken over by the church themselves preparing young people for the sacraments. They're saying that regardless of what's happening with numbers bouncing around the place, and we're in a much, much better place than we were, uh, you know, three months ago, six months ago. Um, uh, now, they are saying that hospitalization is at its, heaviest, its highest since April. A lot of that has to do with when you open up society and you open up hospitality, you open up indoors, you're going to see bounces like that. But schools will reopen despite the increase in any kind of cases. But Michael D got into a bit of hot water. Apparently he was indoors, according to the Mirror this morning, indoors for photo opportunities in bookshops last week. He was signing a book called Reclamation uh, After uh, European Street. Um, rec- or sorry, Reclaiming the European Streets, a new book. But he, w- he was signing copies of it and he was sitting down without a mask on. Uh, and, of course, that was picked up and somebody took a photograph and that gets shared. Issues down in West Cork with regards to Bantry Hospital make the echo today, our health service. And if you thought it was bad now, uh, wait for the next couple of years to see what's coming down the track there. But um, there was a big gathering down in the square in, in Bantry yesterday. One particular uh, GP that was there um, said that uh, the uh, hospital has been abandoned for the last three weeks, um, and if you ever want to know how hard and difficult it is to get treatment uh, for illness or injury, go down to West Cork and you'll find out. And, and of course, we had very, very few sad funerals over, over the weekend. Um, uh, a lot of it was uh, online, and the funerals themselves were online. The bus driver, Mark Wills, was laid to rest on Saturday after Mass in Ballincolleg, and Father Con was buried near Bantry after Mass in Coombe Hollow in the church where he was baptised and celebrated his first Mass. Uh, and that's a story, together with photographs, that makes uh, this morning's echo. In fact, the Star also has another a story that keeps on giving, although, of course, the uh, murderer of Sophie Toscan de Plantier still remains at large and a mystery. But it emerged yesterday that following all of the different documentaries, an elderly man has now given an account. He claims that another person confessed to him that that other person had helped clean blood-stained clothing after the murder in 1996. Whose clothing? Who knows? 
But the pensioner got in touch with the solicitor in the wake of the two new documentaries about the case and they called it, they're calling this a fresh statement to Gardaí. And a couple of colliery ones actually, if you don't want to talk to people and you don't want to kind of communicate and you want to just live in your own world, wear headphones or earplugs, not plugs, buds. Um, because apparently research out this morning says that nearly 40% of people uh, avoid talking to others by just keeping their headphones on are their plugs in? Uh, papers this morning say that having a conversation uh, with someone um, has very much kind of gone on the back burner these days because uh, people, I don't know whether it's COVID anxiety or out of practice, but they are saying in this research that people are out of practice. But apparently the lockdown has also driven us to drink. But it's not alcohol, it's water, to be precise. Apparently, over the last 12 to 18 months or whatever, we've had a raging thirst for the water, which has got to be a good thing. I wish to God I could get into the habit of drinking more water. I don't know whether it's laziness or forgetfulness or what. But Jennifer Aniston over the weekend, um, and she doubled down, actually, after she got uh, criticism. She has, um, she's caught any anti-vax friend um, out of her life um, and she has no problem with it now she got a bit of a, a backlash to it uh, but she uh, e- you know e- even people that sh- whose services she would use whether it was a hairdresser or a nail technician or a fashion or a, anybody that deals with her anybody she says uh, you know not in my life anymore she said because if you have the variant you're still able to give it to me I may get slightly sick but I'll not be admitted to hospital or die but I can give it to someone who does and could die So I ain't going to put anybody's life at risk and I'm no longer. So she says she lost a few people from her weekly routine. We posted that online over the weekend to get your thoughts on it, asking the question, would you cut unvaccinated people out of your life? And I go through some of those texts and perhaps calls throughout the course of the morning. But it's a question I would put to you guys. Would you or have you cut unvaccinated people from your life? Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco and their new club card reward partner, Hotels.com. Tesco, every little help. But as the Echo says this morning, we're back where we belong. I thought I was going to have multiple heart attacks throughout the game. The 70 minutes, the injury time when we had the Kilkenny goal, and then the extra time. But it was fabulous to see Cork pull ahead in extra time. But you could never, as Anna Geary was saying in Punditry yesterday, and she reminded us over and over again, you could never rule out the cats right up to the dying seconds of the game. Here's a little bit of audio, right? Check this out. This is the winning moment at the end of the match. Have a listen. It's all over. It's all over. And Cork have beaten Kilkenny in the All-Ireland semi-final in a match that required an additional 20 minutes joy for Kieran Kingston and his management team. The rock alongside him. He had several rocks down there like Rob Downey and so many more. So Cork are back in the All-Ireland final after a gap of eight years. This team has been criticised many over the years of having no bottle and some, more, some people use one. But I think they showed today that we do a bottle and look, fair play to Kilkenny. We know what they bring to the table. We haven't beaten them up here since 2004. So to, to, to do it today was important for this group, very, very young group, finishing in their own development as a, as, as a team. Finally, the final itself, I mean, you're playing the reigning, cha- reigning champions, Limerick, who you've played already. You'd probably be written off by a lot of people. Ideal way to go into a final. Yeah, should be written off already, probably. Already, it's a, I mean, we know that. We'd be great. And right, understandably so. I mean, Limerick will be total favourites. We'll be total underdogs. Um, 
and I suppose looking back over the last few years and the performance that Limerick gave yesterday and what they've done we can understand that totally but all I'll be asking the lads for again is that honesty that effort um, play with, with character and uh, see what it takes us it's got to be harder actually to be the manager on the sideline than a player on the pitch I would think if you watch you know the facial expressions say for instance of Dermot O'Sullivan yesterday or the Cork manager Kieran Kingston uh, our first citizen the Lord Mayor Colm Kelleher posted at the weekend that we need to get the flags out the banners out the flags out the bunting and everything um, and he's dead right in that regard because you know it, it may well only be a semi-final uh, but it's still very very important um, I'm going to pick up on this after the break the Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And the Lord Mayor joins me by phone. Lord Mayor, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good I tell morning. you, it was a it was a great result, but it was a very hard watch, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, it was it was it was nail biting. It was intense stuff. Um, oh, I was up there. Um, oh, I, were you there? What was it like? It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. There was 25,000 at the match, um, well spaced out, and the roar from the Cork fans every time we went up and scored a point was, was nail biting. It was, I brought the young fellow up with me. It was actually his first time ever in Croke Park. Amazing. And, um, he, he got to witness a, a thriller like, um, <clears throat> 137 to 132. I'd say like 75 points overall scored in a, a semi final. It was great uh, to hear a crowd again, wasn't it? It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And we'll have a bigger crowd now on the 22nd. And please God, we'll bring, uh, we'll, we'll bring the silverware home. Man of the match, Shane Kingston. What a difference for a guy who didn't start. I mean, you know, I understand that maybe, you know, being the son of the manager is, is difficult, you know, but he made a huge difference, didn't he? Oh, massive, massive difference. Now, look, they, they, they all played their socks off yesterday. Like, you know, the, the goal from Jack O'Connor. Jack O'Connor's goal actually has been deemed the moment of the match, clearly, the 80th minute, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, you know, and um, I suppose, look, the captain, Patrick Horgan, the man that deserves in All-Ireland, um, you know, it's eight years since we've been in the final, 2013, we lost the replay to Clare, that's a long time coming, Neil. But what was the reaction, what was the reaction with the Kilkenny goal in injury time? Oh, we were watching it, and uh, himself said, he goes, they're going to score, they're going to score, I goes, they're not, I think it was like 70 minutes uh, played, uh, a four... Four seconds over the, the additional four minutes, and they're just blown up, and bang, it, it, the inevitable happened. But the lads, look, they didn't drop the heads. They came back out next extra time, and uh, they just proved, you know, they had more fuel left in the tank, and they went on, and what a performance. It was unbelievable. It really was. So you said last night then, oh, OK, Cork, can I ask everyone, please, to get the flags, the banners, the car flags, the bunting, and everything else out. Let's turn the place red and white for our rebels. Um, we need to find out who's selling all of the stuff as well, don't we? Get it on the cars. Get it on your head. Um, because, you know, the 22nd of August won't be long coming around. Won't be long coming around, no, no, no. And uh, I suppose the first thing I'll be asking corporate affairs this morning when I go in now is uh, get the red and white <coughs> light bulbs because we're going to lighten up City Hall red and white anyway. <laughs> <laughs> can you light the, the bridges fire. red while you're at it? <laughs> we'll see what we can do. We'll, see what we, we'll figure out what light bulbs we have in stock and uh, we'll see what we can do. But no, look, everyone needs to know eight years since we've been in a final, get your flags, get your buntings, get your scarves. If you don't have them, get red and white underwear. I don't care why. <laughs> 
let's paint the place red and white, the blood and bandage for our rebels, and let's bring Liam McCarthy home. Oh my God, it's just great to be talking like this again for a change, isn't it? It really and truly is. Okay, let's find out then who's selling. I'm quite sure that there are many shops that are listening who has all of the cork paraphernalia. So text me. Oh, it's six eight one zero four. Just going in this morning, Neil. <laughs> and, and so there should be. Um, any any ideas to what kind of a welcome? They're probably back now, aren't they? And everything. I would imagine so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, um, look. Obviously, you know, we've got um, we've got a long way to go. We've two weeks now to to recuperate, and Limerick won't be. Um, you know, many people have written us off. You know, um, we're, we're the underdogs, but you know what? We've a young team. They're in transition. They're, they've they've you know they've performed at the highest level yesterday, and uh, people are saying you know we're already written off. I'd say write us off at our peril. That's that right, because they tried to do the same against Kilkenny, saying the pundits were saying Kilkenny would win it. Now, I see in this morning's star that uh, the core coach, Dermot the Rock, has hit back the pundits who've already etched Limerick's name on the cup. So similar to what you're saying, he's saying the same, you know? Yeah, 100%, 100%, you know, um, right us off at a peril. Like, those lads there yesterday, they played their socks off, you know, and it was end-to-end stuff. And, like, as I said, there was 25,000 yesterday. I'd say there was more Cork fans than Kenny fans. Now, look, I may be a bit biased, but I saw more red than black and amber. But, um, you know, look, we, we'll have 40,000 at the final, and we need to support our lads and make sure that, you know, they stop in Mallow on the way home with it and they stop in Kent Station with it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Donal Logue said recently, somebody said, might have been Anna Geary, uh, one, of the, one of the pundits yesterday, said that uh, the currency in Cork is Liam McCarthy medals you know it's not euros so we haven't won it yet so let's not get ahead of ourselves but at the same time it is an opportunity to celebrate being back in the final but what about tickets though I said it like all just um, you know uh, obviously it's at half capacity of the stadium um, there'll be a shoot to clubs like I, I, I met two lads in Tyrone there yesterday they got the train down as neutrals and they said it was one of the best game of hurlings they've seen in a long time so I suppose look the, club, the clubs will be a shoot tickets in the, in the normal way but there'll be a lot of horse training going on between now and the 22nd later <laughs> I'd say the first citizen Lord Mayor of Cork automatically gets to right I don't know. I'll have to ask Nicola now when I go in. See what the story is. Uh, surely, be to God, you would have tickets to represent the city. <laughs> I would hope so, Neil. I would hope so. Anyway, I, okay. So you were at the match. So you didn't happen to see um, one of the one of the most enjoyable hours of television I ever saw in a long, long time after the match, and that was the tribute, the life and time story of Christy Ring. You didn't see it directly after the match, no. I didn't. No, 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 no. We ran away. We came back down. After oh, the man, you got to you got to see this. It was absolutely incredible. It was an hour, an hour and 15 minutes of the life of, of Christy Ring. Donalogue Cusack featured in it. Donalogue's dad did. Gerald Mack was in it. Dennis Collin, all of the locals from Cloyne, his friends, fellow ex Glen Rovers players. Uh, lots of audio going back through the through his life. There's not a whole lot of footage around of, uh, of Christy Ring, you know, not a lot of video. I suppose different times. Different, different times. times. We didn't have intent uh, sports coverage. I'd be interested to see that now with oh, the, I, the players. I hope. Got to get your hands on that one and watch it. It was just unbelievable. And also, um, there was some superb artwork done. You know, because they were saying that really, uh, Ringy's hurling was like reminiscent of Coo Cullen and Will Sliney, the artist, fabulous artist, did brilliant graphics all the way through hurling graphics of Coo Cullen. You know where. He was superimposing Christy Ring. If people listen to me, watch it, watch, watched it, they'll know exactly what I was talking about. But I mean, I mean, what, what was he? Like, I think he was only like 58 when he died. 
It's very young. And he was a, he was a young man. He was a young man, you know. But look, we, 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 we have young men now going for gold again. So we've got to get behind them. You got it. Well look, done. If they, do, if they do win on the 22nd, I'll give the entire city and county a half day. Only a half day? Only a look. If they win, I'll give you a full day off. So. No, what you got to do is give us a long weekend, the entire Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check standing order for you, <laughs> Cheers, Colm. Take care. Much obliged as always. Take Goodbye. care, yourself. Good guy, the Lord Mayor, Colm Kelleher. And that's the challenge. we got to get the red and white out, whether it's bunting, whether it's a banner, whether it's a flag. But a good way to start would be car flags, wasn't it? The ones you hang from your window and wind the window up and it jams in there. That would be a good place to start. So if you're selling it, cork bunting, cork colours, cork paraphernalia... Get in touch, please. Text 0868104106. We'll pass it on and people can get in the mood. We're in the mood already. What is the date? It's already the 8th of August. So we got like a fortnight, lads. We need to hang around on this. We need to big it up over the next two weeks. And you'll see the colours of Cork City Hall change to red and white. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. A couple of quick texts just coming in already. Michael Collins' anniversary is on the 22nd of August, the day of the All-Ireland Hurling Final the same day as the All-Ireland. Thank you. That was from the Smurf. I wonder if that's the Smurf that I jocked with years ago. Uh, if it is, morning Smurf. Uh, another one here saying, Hi Neil, Jamie here from a local car company. We sell flags and we sell bunting. www.flagstoyou.ie as in the number two. So that's another place. But I imagine, thank you for that. Maybe you want to get them online or Maybe there are local shops that are selling lots of core colours. Get in touch. Flags, banners, car flags, bunting, everything else. Text 0868 104 106. Lines are open for that and all of the business. So um, I saw a very emotional and from the heart post uh, video post on Instagram over the weekend. Um, and uh, uh, rather than me tell you all about it, I'm happy to say that uh, mother, Tracy, was talking on behalf of herself and her husband and her son, um, yeah, has agreed to come on air this morning to chat with it. I hope she doesn't find it uh, too upsetting to relive it again. But Tracy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks uh, so much for having me on. Not at all. I, I watched your post uh, over the weekend, um, and I just thought we might chat through because you have you have twelve year old twin boys, isn't that right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I uh, do. But just to clarify, I'm a, I am a single mom. Okay. Fair <laughs> pleasure. Okay. Well, that doesn't need clarification at all. Yeah. You're a terrific mom. Well done for all you do. Um, but during lockdown. One of your sons, Stephen, uh, sat you down, is that right? Yeah, during lockdown one, um, we had literally been in lockdown, I'd say, a week and a half. And Stephen, I think, bit the bullet and said, if we're going to be locked in the house for a long time, it's time to have the conversation. He was only 10 years of age at the time. Um, quite frank conversation, just sat down and was quite upset and just said, blurted straight out, Mom, I hope you're going to still love me, but... I'm going to love boys, I'm not going to love girls. And it hit home. Now, as a parent, you obviously see the signs, you see it wasn't anything that was out of shock or surprise, but for a kid to be so in tune with himself at that age, I have to say, I have to give him 100% credit for fair use to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is amazing that a 10-year-old could put it like that, you know. If I'm going to be in lockdown with you for a year and a half, it's time to have this conversation. You wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that kind of logic no, or rationale from someone so young. But so, so what, your reaction wasn't surprised then, no? No, not at all. None of our family were. Stephen has always been very much in touch with his feminine side, all growing up. Um, pink and purple are always his favourite colours. 
he always would have drifted towards girls' toys as in dolls, prams, Disney princess dresses. He always would have been in touch with that feminine side of him, so mm. that trait would have always been there. Mm. Mm. And what happened next? Well, what happened next was I decided because of the lockdown and Cork Pride actually going ahead this year, which you were fantastic sponsors for. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's right. Um... I nominated him. There was a competition through Cork Pride and Red FM where you can nominate for the drag queens and a show to come and perform socially distanced outside your house. Yeah, yeah. So we got involved in that. I nominated Stephen. Stephen was chosen. And the three drag queens, which I'd like to mention because the backlash they've had is absolutely awful. There was Letitia Lachey. Liam B. and Queen Mia Gold, which are fantastic entertainers from Cork. They arrived to our house. We had an amazing evening with all the neighbours. The crack was absolutely mighty. Everyone embraced us. There's people hanging out their windows recording. It was absolutely fantastic. And then the following day happened. And was the, so was that shared then? Is that the case? The videos were shared yeah. up on the, okay. the videos were shared between Red FM's page and I think a couple of other pages picked it up, but in a negative light. Cork's Red FM would have been very much a positive, outgoing, just showing what was going on and what you were sponsoring, but the backlash was quite the opposite. So you're talking about the the comments? Yes. Right. It started with the comments, but then it started with the keyboard warriors actually picking me out and sending them to me personally. Okay. Um, so, uh, I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but I did ask the lads to ask you what kind of things they said. Do you mind if I just share some of them? Yeah, you can share a few, yeah. Uh, they, um, those were mild, I have to say. These are mild. Kids yeah. are kids are, are better off without that mum. The straight son will be turned gay because he's come in contact with drag queens. Um, yeah. And that you as a mother are a total disgrace. They're mild, are they? Yes, yes. There's been quite other ones that are quite serious, but I won't get into them online. So you, you saw these, did you? Yeah, saw yeah. them all. Yeah. And you sat down and read them. I won't say I won't say all of them were strangers. I had two or three from my own personal contacts that have contacted me and told me I'm a disgrace. Would they have been friends or ex friends now? Well, ex friends, immediate block, sent the pride flag and a love heart and block straight away. Good luck. Take your negativity elsewhere. From people that you would have known. Yes, very much so. So it just shows it's not just strangers and keyboard warriors. The homophobia is deep within Ireland still. And the queens, you said they got abuse? Absolutely ripped apart online. It was desperate. They were branded, I'm not even sure can they use the word, but they were branded as paedophiles, perverts. They were branded as negative, prying on children. It was absolutely horrific what those three entertainers went through. And let's face it, Neil, these are ordinary guys who do it as entertainment. They are no different from Mrs. Brown or Mrs. Doubtfire or the dames in the pantomime. They're entertainers. Did Stephen see any of this? No. No, thanks be to goodness. Have you no. told him about it? Have you asked yes, him whether he's... had frank conversations because obviously the... The twins being locally out and about, I'm afraid that they would have heard it. So I have told him and I've told him the reason I've set up the page on Instagram and all that. And he is 100% supportive and he's delighted that I'm willing to stand up and speak out. 
you think that his journey now over the next, I don't know, five, six, seven years, particularly through secondary school, is going to be challenging if this is an indication of what's to come? Um, I'm hoping I'm raising him right that he will realise that not everyone is like that because the good does outweigh the bad. Unfortunately, the bad are always the ones that shout the loudest. Um, but you know they I'm say ho- that these people uh, that they walk amongst us and that we, we know many of them and uh, oh, we get along with many of them Oh 100% absolutely they are deep and rooted in our lives daily and unfortunately it's ignorance and lack of education these people are 100% normal they can't choose who they love love is love and end of let their choice is theirs and there, there's no restrictions or filters in place or security in place to prevent these comments. Is there no way no, that an, um, a, an algorithm can pick up, oh, you know, words to the effect of, oh, there's a strain of homophobia going on here, here you know, we, we, we see this happening and they just shut it down, no? No, that's actually something that I have looked into and as far as I know... Keyword, no, you know keywords? Key, yeah, keywords can be set up, but I think it has to be set up by the person that actually receives the post and they're not going to set it up because they don't know the homophobia is happening among their page. Well, but there are keywords that are picked up by Facebook, for yeah, instance, and Twitter. Is. Yeah, um, like there's, there's a couple of words now that I've blocked on my new page. No, not you, just the, just the actual platforms block. No, I don't actually think so, Neil. A lot of the comments got through, even though those words were in them. So you then responded yourself by setting up your camera and letting it roll. What did you say? Um, I basically just spoke from the heart. I was quite emotional at the time. I'd been through three days of absolute turmoil, but I decided I'm going to channel that anger and channel it into something positive. Um, I don't plan on the page being negative in any way. I just want to shine a light on it. But I set up the page. I sat in front of the camera. And as a mother, I spoke that the hate and the backlash we received because now I'm an ally of the LGBTQ community. I mightn't be directly involved, but I will stand up and I will speak out for them. It is not okay. It is not all right to sit there and to think it is one thing, to put it in black and white, Neil, and write it is a totally different thing. We're all entitled to our opinion. I often wonder, does it just take the first one or two to give people free reign, you know, to all jump in, like, you know, that herd mentality? Definitely sheep. But no, I just sat and I was quite frank, quite open. And it's on my page. You can watch it back. I've it saved as a highlight under our journey. But yeah, it was quite emotional. But I did not expect it to blow up the way that it has. And in a way, I'm kind of glad it did because it really is highlighting the issue that's still within our community and the hatred that is there. You, You don't regret in any way, shape or form then entering that competition? No. Okay. No. What, why did you, you look sit at down? my page, Neil, and look at the photo of my son when those drag queens turned up. It is the biggest grin and the biggest <laughs> smile I've ever, <laughs> ever seen my child with on his face. It's great with people happy, isn't it? Why did you read all of the comments? Um, I wouldn't. I was actually told by my neighbours. I didn't know they were actually there. <laughs> Um, I didn't see most of them and I, they were highlighted to me and I went and looked. Now, I read most of them, but I haven't gone back and looked since. There's probably more since, but I suppose it was just to see what really am I dealing with in 2021. I didn't realise 
there was this mentality still out there. Yeah. We've forgotten yeah. that we were the first nation to vote in same-sex marriage in a referendum. We were the first nation worldwide, and we are still having this backwards attitude. Yeah, sometimes it comes out for all to see, you see, and we yeah, have an opportunity definitely. in your life to see what happens. Interesting text here, Vinny says, any mother who treats her son like that after finding out at 10 years old that he is gay is all right in my book. What a response. Your son is very lucky to have you as a ma'am. Well done, says Vinny. Uh, just one quick one here. Homophobia, Neil, homophobia in Irish society has been normalized. How many times have you heard the phrase, that's so gay? Even kids yeah. use the phrase in a negative way. I guess we need to stamp that one out, don't we? Yeah, definitely. And even the flippant word I heard, obviously the F word, not the F bomb, but I'm not going to say the it F-A like word, yeah. the one that, yeah. yeah, the one that would um, be attached to the LGBT community. I have to say that needs to be stamped out. I can hear that going around the supermarket. Like it's absolutely ridiculous that they think that that word is okay. Or calling someone queer unless you actually know they actually identify as queer. It's not your right to identify anyone or use it in a derogatory manner. But you as just a, need to stop. But as a parent, you must have a worry, though, of the years ahead. Because, you know, we, we are all very protective of our children. Um, you know, he's, he's a very do, brave lad, like. Very brave lad. And I have to say, I think he's got a good head in his shoulders. He'll handle it the right way. Even his people locally within our area be like, oh, you're the gay one. And he go, and? As if to say, <laughs> what's your issue? <laughs> you can see that little diva mentality yeah, is coming out yeah. already. I mean, what a, I mean I'm, it's, it's just his age. It's, I'm, I'm, you know, you learn something new every day. And, uh, you know, at, at 10, years out, 10 years of age, one would think one would still be exploring sexuality. But he is a decision made at 10. That's oh, extraordinary. Uh, he came out, lockdown one would have started in March, so I'd say it was the middle of March when he came out to me. And I turned around to Stephen and I said, right, you better go call your brother and we'll sit down and have a conversation with him. And he eye-rolled to me and said, mom, Edward is my twin. He's known since before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, way ahead he is, so, usual. Yeah. Way ahead of me. So, but what, it just shows that they do lean on each other. What's your next move? Um... I wasn't expecting any of this to happen, being honest. So just go with the flow and see what happens. But I'm going to drive forward with the page and hopefully help someone along the way, parent-wise or child-wise. Good for you. Mothering with Pride is your Instagram. Mothering with Pride, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for the plug. But um, yeah, I'm just going to drive forward. Positivity. Love is love. Everyone is entitled to love whoever they want. None of our business. And Ireland just needs to realise... That you have to accept and respect. Many do, but we just need to drag the rest of them along, you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Pull them to the forefront. Yeah, you're the greatest. Tracy, lovely to catch up. Regards to you, Stephen, and all the family, all right? Take care. Neil, yourself. thank you so much, and thanks for highlighting such a huge issue. All the best. Cheers for now. Mothering with Pride on Instagram, lads. Back after the break, text 0868 Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 04106. Red FM. Elaine, good morning. But hang on, let me just get my act together here. Elaine, can you hear me now? You can? Elaine? Hi. Brilliant. Okay, here's my understanding of it. I believe I was reading this the weekend. I believe that Jennifer Aniston is going around actually asking people, friends or people that she comes in contact with in service industries or in shops, whether or not they are vaccinated. Do you think that's right? No. Yeah. No, that's not right at all. People have a right to their own privacy. 
they have a right to choose. And with regulations, it's ba- all the regulations, you, know, you can't go here and you can't go there. It's taking that choice away from people. Do you know what I mean? And there are some people that won't be able to take this vaccine. And they also have a right to privacy. You, you don't have the right to ask someone about their medical history. You know? Some, some are refusing to tell her, apparently. No, they're right. They, they are right not to tell her. If she, if God, I'd never meet her, but if someone walked up to me and asked me if I was vaccinated, I wouldn't tell them. What would you say? I'd tell them it's not their business. And I am vaccinated, by the way. So, you know, it's, I wouldn't ask anybody if they're vac- vaccinated. I got vaccinated to protect me and my, you know, family. To protect, because I can still, you know, get COVID. I can still catch it and I can still pass it on to other people. But yeah, she, if I catch it, I won't get it sick. She got heavily criticised for it and had to go back again and explain why. You know, she was going on about because, you know, even though you're vaccinated, you may be somewhat protected, but you can still give it to other people who could die from it kind of stuff, you know? Exactly. I mean, exactly. But, I mean, if someone doesn't get vaccinated and they have all the information, which the information is out there, and they do get it, and they're very sick, well, that was their choice. They know that they can get very sick from but she, it. But is it not okay for her to find out if she's around people? No, no it's not okay. It's not okay for her to, because she, what she's doing is she's uh, setting a precedent of uh, you and me. You're unvaccinated. It's Has not- anybody asked you, are you vaccinated? No. Have you asked anyone? No. Has anybody said to you, you know, maybe call into your door or you might meet them. They might say, oh, don't worry about me. I'm vaccinated. No. I have. Yeah. I have no, I haven't. And actually, uh, nobody has told me that they're vaccinated, but I actually felt the need. And I have friends on Facebook that have put up their status. You know, they put up their card, oh, I'm done and dusted and all of that. You know, it, it was there for like three weeks. People, everybody that got vaccinated were putting up their vaccination card saying that they were finished and stuff. And I was like, but that's their choice. But I'm, I have a right to my medical privacy and they have a right to theirs. If they feel the need to tell me, that's fine. But I'm not going to ask them. There's a text from Lorraine who says if Jennifer Aniston has cut them out of her life, their, her so-called friends, then they're better off without her because oh, yeah, she's definitely. not really their friend at all. No, she's not. She's not their friend at all. She, she, you know, I mean, she doesn't really care. If she's cutting people out of her life, then she doesn't care for their health or well-being. Their mental health, their emotional health. There's you know? a problem. There's a problem with uh, anti. Big problem in America with what she calls anti-vaxxers. Well, there's there's well, a, they've got a much bigger problem there than say we have here in Europe. Um, I don't know. I think it's about. I think they're more vocal in America. I think a lot of Americans uh, choose to believe what they want to believe and they don't do a lot of research. No, because, you see, the problem was many people who are, who are bashing her saying, what's your problem? You've got the vaccine. You can't get COVID. Mistake. Yeah, you see, like that's what I said. They're not doing the research. They don't understand that even though you're vaccinated, you can still get COVID and you can still pass it on. And are you saying that an awful lot of people <laughs> on social media now are actually saying, I'm vaxxed? Yeah. You know those little cards that you get? Yeah. Yeah. So when you get, they, they put up the cards, there's photos on the And yeah, look, if they want to 
uh, advertise that they're fully vaxxed. That's up to them. Not for you. Okay. No. All right. Appreciate you taking the call. Thank you. Text 0868104106. Whose camp are you in? Jennifer Aniston's or the other? Uh, morning. I'm fuming. Our country has become a nation of snitchers telling tales taking videos, looking for the glory of it all. Um, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the photographs inside the Kilgarvan pub of the Jack of the Healy Rays. Why do these sneaks bother going to a gathering just to video it and splash it? Uh, I don't condone, condone the fact that the rules are being broken, but I bet they'll be calling for the Healy Rays heads and all of a sudden 200 can be outside to take the heat off Leo's party in the Merion. Such hypocrisy. The Healy Rays shoot from the hip, and if the powers that be try to disgrace them, there'll be anarchy in Kerry. Sneaky, sneaky people out there. I'm so mad, says Eilish. Yeah, I understand what you're saying in that regard, but I don't think that anybody actually went into the pub to take a photograph or went into the pub, you know, to video the the wedding. I think that they were guests who then maybe just shared them amongst their friends, you know. And then, of course, somebody uh, goes rogue, um, and shares it, uh, and others see it. And before long, you know the way it is with uh, the Bush Telegraph. The videos and the photographs are out there. We saw that with uh, with Silvergate, with the the Silver Key. There's lots of others. Then, incidentally, on um, uh, criticism of the government in different ways, shape, or form. Uh, particularly uh, Leo Varadkar, Michal Martin, and I think to a lesser extent. Um, uh, Simon Coveney regarding uh, Catherine Zafon, but very much front and centre uh, with regards to Leo Varadkar. I'm going to pick up on that after after 10, but uh, there's some other calls and texts from la- what we did last week on the air, quite an amount of them on people who continue to talk about issues regarding uh, vaccine side effects, so I will be coming back to that. But our conversation with the Minister for Happiness on Friday was a great conversation and it was a great thing to do on a Friday putting good vibes out there for the weekend. Interesting text on that. If you put good vibes to the universe, then I believe you get back. Uh, But you have to put in some work as well. An example would be if you want a better job. You just can't believe you'll get one. You have to try and get this job. And don't get yourself down because you don't get the job straight away. Like if you're knocked back, take a positive and take a lesson from it. You might think it's the right job, but the universe had different plans. I was hell-bent on becoming a fire officer. I got a job in the cleansing department of the council. I said, it'll tie me over. I now love my job and get great satisfaction out of it. I have an ambition now to climb the ladder. People laugh because I clean the streets of Cork City. But I'm one happy man. You get out of life what you put into it. Enjoy your day, folks, and enjoy every good thing you do. And enjoy the good that comes your way. Well said. Thank you for that text. 0868104106. That and lots more besides after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Call Neil Prindeville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Text 0868104106. I mentioned earlier on when I was doing the newspaper stuff that it come back to the State of the Nation with regards to uh, Lever Radker, Catherine Zapone, Michal Martin, uh, Marion Gate and all things like that. So that's one world, of course, that we're dealing with uh, while other people are struggling in their own worlds. And it would seem to me that a lot of the time Irish politicians, certainly the ones we have at the moment, 
seem to be aloof and on a different stratosphere to the rest of us. Here's a text that possibly sums that up. Myself and my partner are living in a hap house with two children. My partner's other two children from another relationship come to stay with us at the weekends. We've been on the housing list for over ten and a half years. And our latest news came like a bombshell. Our landlord has now sent us a three-month eviction notice letting us know she is increasing the rent to nearly double what we are paying a month. Now, can I just stop the text? I have no idea how the landlord thinks that she'll be able to get away with that. Um, uh, you know, I just don't. So it just begs me, begs the question as to are landlords illegally, in spite of guidelines, doing things like that? Anyway, so double the rent. Uh, with HAP, we are at our maximum uh, as to what we are receiving a month uh, with giving the remainder to the landlord at the end of every month, whatever money we can scrape together. We are at our wit's end and fear that we will now soon become homeless with our children. We're really concerned for our welfare and that of our children. The children go to school in the south side as I work nearby. We have been bidding on houses in our area, failure after failure, time after time. As of the 1st of September, our lease is up. At that moment, we have nowhere to go after that. I would really appreciate if there is any way at all possible that anybody could help us. So there is a plea, right? That's a plea by text uh, to me, um, you know, at their wit's end. Clock ticking, just over three weeks' time, nowhere to live. While at the same time then, you have all of this stuff going on by the politicians who are supposed to be running the republic. And really, like, is it even a republic at all anymore? You see this kind of carry on. We thought it couldn't get any worse than Golfgate, of course, uh, and it did. Uh, and of course, over the last week or, or 10 days, of course, it started with um, Catherine Zappone's job, uh, where she was given a job in the UN to represent Ireland, a job that was never advertised anywhere because Simon Coveney and other politicians said they didn't have to advertise this job. Some one of them had the cheek to say, ah, for God's sake, it's only 17 grand a year. Bear in mind that the old age pension is 12 grand a year. So go and tell an old age pensioner that, ah, it's only 17 grand when you ask them to live on 12 grand. Um, but I said I would get um, a feeling for, you know, how this is going to play out and whether or not they've kind of dodged this bullet. So I put into John, a call into John Cairns, who has a super column every Tuesday in the Irish Mirror. It's called The Beast from the East, and he joins me by phone. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Can I just ask you, on Friday they were saying that Leo Varadkar was a dead man walking. Has he beaten that now? <laughs> God knows. He keeps shooting himself in the foot, doesn't he? He does, but um, what, what, yeah. you know, what, are, what are politicians told by... You, you'd know this. What do spin doctors tell them to do? It's very simple. I've spoken to uh, people, people within Fianna Fáil who are very, very annoyed about this and what's happened. And I've spoken to the people who are very close to the Taoiseach about what's going to happen here. So, as it stands, Micheál Martin, if he wants to uh, put Manos and Leo Faradka for what happened and force him to quit, he'll effectively have to bring down the government. And Micheál Martin does not want to do that at this moment in time. So is that why he has come out this morning and said uh, that... uh that Tornister did not breach COVID regulations and also said we must m- remember that Leo Varadkar has expressed regret. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. And what he's trying to do is move on, uh, draw a line in the sand, 
Leo's come up, put his hand out, regrets what the mistake that he made. And what Micheál Martin is trying to do is to brush it all now under the carpet and move on as quickly as possible because it's a huge embarrassment to everyone. But what these politicians are forgetting is they don't understand in any shape or form the suffering that people have endured during this pandemic. Now, I, for one, am really angry, and I'll tell you why. Because my father was in hospital, seriously ill, for five weeks, and I wasn't, none of us, my mother included, were allowed into the hospital to see him. My dad subsequently died, right? Uh, at the funeral, we were only allowed to have so many people. So we could only have so many people at my father's funeral, like loads of people in Cork and all over this country. And these politicians can go to the poshest, the poshest hotel in the country and have a party outdoors. And then when they're challenged over it, they say, oh, well, actually, the rules, uh, it's not what you think. It's actually, could have, we could have had 200, not 50. But the only problem was the government and the politicians never told the people. So they ought to think we, the people, are absolute muppets. And that's why there's so much anger out there. And this is why, like, these are all the privileged elite, right? And specifically Rio Faradka and Simon Coley. These boys have the silver ball with the silver spoons in their mouth, mm. right? They're not walking class. They never did a day's walk in their lives. Mm. Mm. They've been full-time politicians since they were kids, D- right? Do, do you not think it's extraordinary? You never, never had to lie awake at night wondering, like that poor woman there who wrote in that letter to you, how in the name of God were they going to pay the rent? How in the name of God were they going to have to pay the mortgage? These boys have never, ever, ever had to done that. Why do... In fairness to Michael Martin, right? He's a different kettle of fish, in my opinion, right? He has, you know, but he's wrong with this, but he's, he's in a very tricky situation because if he throws Farage to the walls, it's going to bring down the government and it would mean we ought to have an election or he'd be forced to secretly form a coalition with Sinn Féin. He hates Sinn Féin. He'd never wanted to do business with Sinn Féin. So he's in a real predicament here now. I was just wondering, and I'll come back to the Sinn Féin uh, comment you made there in a moment, but does, do you find it extraordinary that the tarnished of the country, Leo Varadkar, has to ring the reception of the Marion Hotel for advice and guidelines on COVID gatherings? Surely the man should know these things. Correct. He should know the rules. We all know the rules. I'm sure I couldn't go into, you know, if I want to book a table uh, in my local rest, my local bar, and, uh, you know, the max I can have is six. Not anymore, though. Now you can book the whole outdoors. Now, now I can have 200. Like, like, my niece is getting married in a few weeks' time. She didn't know whether she's 20 or 50. Now, now she can have 200 outdoors if she wants it. I wedding. They can't stop her. You know, what they've done is they've changed the rules. They've made the rules. They're making the rules up as they go along. And they've made the rules up here to get Leo Faradka off the hook and the government off the hook. But it was there all the time, John. I mean, last May, when we were getting the reopening plans for the summer, it did say, and I quote, 200 attendees permitted or organized outdoor events in July. This rule applies to culture, arts, training, sports events and matches. But they yeah, seem but to not think... Social, not yeah. social, Neil. Yeah. That's the point. So was there was, was, was Catherine Serves Pound get together uh, uh, a cultural event? No. No, it what, was lobbying. What, to, what was it, a, do you a, think? An appointment. It was lobbying to get a job. She was effectively, effectively lobbying to get a job as a as a as a as a, as a, a special envoy for the Irish government, so she could swan around the UN in New York and give herself something to do where she lives. You you'd know. Was the guest list ever released from the Mary? No, no, it wasn't. It was just some of her uh, friends, as far as I know, and a couple of officials. There was one or two from the Greens. I think a man is a David Gagan. He'd be one of uh, 
Ryan's advisors, Minister Ryan's advisors. Ivana Bacek was there from the, yeah, the newly elected. Yeah. yeah, the newly elected. Yeah, great move on her part. You know, and that was being kept very quiet. And the Labour Party came out and attacked for act of what happened. And then when they realised she was there, they shut up. But so many of them, but many of them have shut up. What, what? All the people, to all the people who made the sacrifices, it is absolutely a kick in the teeth. It is soul destroying. And this is why I get so annoyed. You know, I wasn't allowed into a hospital to see my father and him seriously ill. And these people can go and do what they want. And that just sickens me. So regardless of guidelines or what's permitted, it still do, it should not happen with politicians. They should not should. in any way, but shape or form. You, the politicians should not be treated any differently than the rest of us. We're all Irish citizens, right? The rules apply to each and every one of us the same as the law. You know, these boys are kind of behaving there like Charlie, how he used to do, and not in the wink. And everything will be fine. Do you think Maybe anything we'll will happen with regards to the Garda inquiries down in uh, in Kilgarvan at the Healy Rays pub, for instance? Well, I mean, the Healy Rays just, you know, threw, threw their two fingers up to everybody. And the Garda should be in there investigating that. They should be equally investigating what happened at Mary, with Marion in the Marion Hotel. But then they'll argue Gallagher, the Attorney General, says it was within the law. You know, so you, you start to scratch your head. You may have been in the, within the law, but optically and morally it was wrong. It was wrong, and it wasn't in the spirit of the law, of the rules, and of what people... When you think of all the brides across the country uh, who have been, uh, you know, apoplectic over their the, the, the weddings. They don't know how many they can have, what they can do. You know, they're pulling their hair out of their head. The families, holy communions, confirmations, and the politicians were having a go with the poor priests and the poor bishops. Right? You know, because they didn't want to talk communions and, and confirmations. For God's sake, the kids should be let out made their confirmations and their first communions, and then funerals. You know, funerals is the worst of all. Like, you know, we couldn't go, you know, you can't go and have a cup of tea and a sandwich after a funeral. But they always say that these things are the straws that break the camel's... Yeah, But, like, you think that 81 people at Golfgate, the dinner after the the golf um, tournament, you think that would teach them not to do it again. But yet then he goes and does it again. Well, he goes and does it again. Like, you know, in my opinion, you know, Faradka should resign. But he ain't going to do that. These people love Parnell. Look, you and I are dealing with them all our lives. We've seen them, met them, interviewed them. You know, they love the power. You know, but Coveney, like, and he's one of your own. He just didn't get what he did wrong with Faradka, you know, with, with, with Tapone. You know, how can you create this position and not advertise it? You know, who did they think they are, these people? Like, you know, if you're going to create a position of a special envoy, surely you should advertise it. Because I'm sure there's plenty of people out there fancy, you know, fancy their chances, think they could do but it. But don't, doesn't that always well. happen though with the, with politicians who don't get elected? They usually get a nice cushy number somewhere else, don't they? Absolutely. You know, and if you look at her, she was nominated to the Senate by, uh, by Enda Kenny, and then she was elected as an independent TD in Tala, and then she was brought into the government as a minister, even though she was independent as Minister for Children. You know, and then she lost her seat. Um, you know, so, I mean, I just think, you know, like, I mean, and Simon Colby still really hasn't acknowledged that, he, that, that what he did was wrong. I think he did you know? say something close to that, though, that lessons were learned, did he not? The lessons were learned. Come out and admit you're wrong. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Come out and say it. All these guys have just got these massive egos, Neil. You know, they really have. They don't live in the real world like the rest of us. And you're right. You know, when I listen to that poor woman there in our letter, God love her. 
the worry that that family have at night now, worrying about are they going to be out in the streets. I mean, and that is the number one issue in this country now, is homelessness and housing, and it needs to be dealt with. You know, and But surely Sinn Féin are the ones, but surely Sinn Féin are the ones to deal with it. I mean, isn't it yeah. time now, you say that Micheál Martin won't ditch for Adker because it will lead to a general election, but really, isn't it time to give Sinn Féin a chance? Absolutely. But the all at not a Finnegan of wants to go into, into government with them. But I think come the next election, they're, they're going to have no choice. You know, but, you know, Sinn, Sinn Féin are going to have to order, shut up or put up, get into power, show the people what they can do, you know. And if they're useless, they won't be re-elected again. That's democracy. Do, you know, and they could surprise us all and do an outstanding job. We don't know. Owen O'Brien, O'Brien seems to know the housing brief. There's, there's no doubt about that. You know, but I, I personally, I think Fianna Fáil strategically would have been far better off going into a coalition with Sinn Féin after that a year ago rather than going in with Fine Gael. I'm just wondering now, after Golfgate, after Varadkar leaking an internal memo and there's a criminal investigator investigation into that, now the Marion and stuff like that, um, are, are, what are politicians told by spin doctors and advisors when a crisis comes along? Keep your mouth shut and tell the party line. That's what they're told. And these spin doctors, by the way, and advisors have got far too much say. They're unelected. And they get, you know, if, if you're not, you know, if you're unelected, you shouldn't have power. And they have far too much influence and far too much power, for my liking. But, but I've been you reading know, some of the new... It's not uh, in the interest of democracy. Yeah, so you keep... Know, if you want power, stop, put your name, have, have the courage... To put your name before the people and stand before the people. Not getting power through the back door. And that's what a lot of them do. And they try to, they try to put down and keep quiet the back, the, you know, a lot of the hardliners and backbenchers. You know, particularly when in Fianna Fall, like Michal Martin, you know, who I personally respect, has a lot of enemies within his own party at the moment. And there's a queue up waiting to get rid of him. But you know when you say that spin doctors and advisors say keep your mouth shut and this will pass, and and it probably will just pass, what's the role in the media here? I've been following a lot of the news feeds on that and many of the public who are responding in comments are saying that the Irish media is just too weak. I don't think the Irish media is too, is too weak. I think our biggest problem is we're hampered uh, by uh, absolutely scandalous libel laws that protect, that stop us from doing our jobs. And at every turn, when we're investigating things that are controversial and and, and, uh, and are dodgy, you know, we're met with press of litigation uh, uh, at every call. Yeah, but if it was the, if this was the UK now, wouldn't I be seeing front pages saying Varadkar must go day after day? Varadkar be gone. He'd be gone. But much of it would be the media pushing and pushing and pushing. I mean, he'd be gone. And yeah. all, not only that, it would have been all over ITV, BBC, you know, non nonstop. Uh, Newsnight, you know, BBC Radio 4, uh, the Today Show, you know, in Britain, and, 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 and News Talk in the UK, uh, sorry, Talk Radio, and, and, and that's the way it would have been. He would have been gone, yeah. He would have had no choice. But in this country, they kind of seek and they weather the storm. And you think they will weather this storm? Yeah, I do, yeah. I don't think Farage is going anywhere. I don't think we're going to have it yet. I think Fianna Fáil, Michal Martin, the last thing he wants is a general election. You know, and, and in fairness, they've done a great job on the vaccination. I mean, to, to be honest, like Michal Martin should be riding high at the moment because they did a superb job in the vaccination program. Everyone agreed that the vaccination program has been a fantastic success story. They've got people back walking. They've got the economy going again. You know, and yet that's all forgotten about because of you know the antics of Farage and Toby. 
And I'm sure privately, Mihal Martin is pulling the hair out of his head. Whatever hair the hair he's left. But he can do nothing about it because, as you say, you if Faradka goes, the coalition yeah, goes. Correct. Because Fine Gael are not going to boot Faradka out themselves and stay in government. So if there were a general election, that would be the end of not just Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael in coalition, but probably the end of Fianna Fáil's uh, Micheál Martin as leader, yeah? Yeah, I would think so. I can't see Micheál Martin leading Fianna Fáil into the next election. But you never know, if there was a snap election, they'd have no choice but to go with Micheál Martin. You know, it, it all depends. Timing is everything. So it is. But I think Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil will avoid a general election at all costs and that this government, as has another four years to go, will go full term. Let's see. It was a betting man. And they will just ignore all, all the outrage at the moment and hope that people will forget about it. And, you know, in three or four weeks' time, they'll be talking about something else. And that's what they're betting on, and it probably and will play out. Yes, that is what they're betting on. And if the whole country gets back to normal and the students get into university and get into the colleges and the kids all go back to school and the economy improves and they start building houses and sorting out the housing issues and, and people like that poor woman who was on to you this morning with that letter can get a home, you know, when then, you know, they're, they're fighting the general election at four years' time um, um, with uh, on, on different issues. Gotcha. As always, thanks so much for taking the call. Let's get texts on this. The great John Cairns by phone. Text 0868 104 uh, Pick up the phone at one 850 Matt, good morning. Hello. Just want to pick up there on my chat with uh, Jumbo Cairns. Go ahead. How are you, Neil? Good. I, I just want to say, Leo and Michal Martin, they shafted Phil Hogan for golf gate. It's time now they got some of their own medicine. They did everything in their power. Good morning, Neil. How are yeah, you? No, I can hear you. I'm listening to every word you're saying. Yeah, it's, uh, it's time now that Leo and Michal Martin got some of their own medicine. But how? Uh, but how? One is the tarnished and one is the Taoiseach. Listen, Neil, they did everything in their power to get rid of Phil Hogan over Golfgate. The shafts of them, they made a big issue over in Europe, and they needed, we needed Phil Hogan more with Brexit and for agriculture. And we're suffering now because of his great loss. What do you think should happen then after the latest events? Well, the latest events, Neil uh, should bring him in and say, look, this is not happening, good luck, you're gone. They're insulting the people's intelligence. But what you know, what would that. be the consequence of me of me Hall Martin whatever. sacking Leo Varadkar's what? Sacking him as tarnished, is it? Yes. Right. Whatever. Let, go to the country. Go to the country. Let the people have their say. And then and then that'll be a big wake up call for them. Because I think myself down the line, Sinn Fein are going to make the breakthrough. And it's time to get rid of all these people. Do you think that do you think that they couldn't do a worse job then, is it? There'd be more I think they'd be more upfront because they're they're Now remember now they a lot of them travelled north of the border to a funeral that they should never have been at. Yes, yeah. But the government have destroyed Irish life. How? With all these with all these lockdowns I'm not. I'm in favour of lockdowns, but let everyone have the same rule. You know, I, mean, I, I'd always said this after Golfgate. Did anybody kind of in the room at Golfgate take a look around at everybody else there and say, "Come here, this doesn't feel right"? I mean, did anybody at the Marion think the same? Like, I'm getting out of here. Or, uh, These people don't care, please. 
you think that, do you think that they, they just knew and it was two fingers or they were just thick? That's it. And, and, and one more thing as well. Helen McEntee knew the judge was in that hotel. That's why the guards never entered it. Well, I don't know anything about that. That's, there's an investigation. No, no, but he has questions to answer too. Well, you know? well, you, they, they, I mean, it's a good example of doing nothing, isn't it? You had a high court it judge is, it is, yeah. who refu- refused to go and it all just went away. Yeah, yeah. And the two of them did their utmost to shaft Phil Hogan and they got their way a major loss to Ireland. Whatever his politics and whatever he did, he was a major loss to Ireland. And the farmers will tell you that. And this all started, of course, this all began by giving a job to somebody, uh, yes, a fellow political crony that wasn't advertised. Has, Neil, has she not got enough with a pension? I think she has three pensions. Yes, but what more does she need? And, 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 and where's Mr. Covey? Ah, sure, it's only 17,000 euro, this Yes, and, and, and Neil, where's Mr. Covey on this? Has he gone into hiding? Well, that's the question I was posing to John Cairns. Are they told yes. to shut up... Yes. Don't answer the phone, no. don't respond to media, it'll go Normally away. Normally on the television talking a load of bull. Well, you know? I, wouldn't quite, I wouldn't quite say that, but they seem know, to pick their opportunities very you much. You do, yeah, you do, yeah. No backbone. He has no backbone. All right, let, no. me get, let me get some more calls on this. Appreciate you I taking the call. Thanks, Matt. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Antonio. How okay, go ahead. What's, what do you make of it all? Uh... Well, I suppose the, the gentleman you were on there earlier on, like, I mean, he had a lot of valid points to have to say, but like politics in this country, I think, is, is, is it failed to move with the times. We have a situation where um, if you elect a person, you vote for a person and they're elected, right? I don't vote for the party. I vote for a person who does something in my community. That's who I vote for. I don't care whether they're Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Whatever, it doesn't really matter to me. If, if I see them active in the community and they're doing good things, they'll get my vote. But unfortunately, the way the party politics works is, as you know yourself, is such that you elect a person to do the most good, and unfortunately they're told, right, you're on the party line because you're part of us. That's right. So that's or if cool. you're an independent, you have limited power, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you live in this power, okay? And I mean... Like, people are there, and like I make no bones about it. I voted for the Sinn Féin gentleman in my locale. I have no qualms about it because he's he, he, like he's doing he's doing good works that I can see, but like I'm I'm kind of a bit afraid of Sinn Féin. I have to say. I wonder, are many people like you? In what way afraid? Well, I'm afraid in the context like if Sinn Féin has one particular uh, issue, it's their dominant issue: United Ireland, and everything else is subjugated to that ideal. Right, they're moving towards this all the time, all the time. We hear things about, um, like, the majority of people in Ireland want a united Ireland. Right, they're still asked the question, they want that. But, I mean, there's no background to that. Who's going to pay for this? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, there's no, it's fine to, to have this idea, like, that you want to united they have a lot about the, They have a lot of things on offer besides United Ireland. They seem to have a good policy on, on housing. Uh, I know that many are worried, would be quaking in their boots, that they would tax the hell out of the country and the people living in it. And, and maybe that's the worry that people have. But, you know, if you look at their results in the last general election, they would be in government now if they had run enough, to, uh, enough they candidates. Enough, they would, of course, have, yeah. But, I mean, you see, but, like, don't forget, no, half, a lot of that, I think, was, I think we're just sick to death of the previous administration and we just want to put anybody in. And, like, as you say, if they'd, put, if they'd run enough candidates... Right, it would very much have been 
they would have been in power. But like to get back to my initial point, like like if you vote for someone who's doing good in your community, you're voting for that person to do good. You're not voting for them to tow the party line. Like the whole idea, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, is that it's being subjugated to uh, Republican. When I say Republican, now I mean Wall of Independence type stuff. There are still people who, regardless of who the candidate is, they will vote for in a fall. That's right. They will vote for in a That's right. But that's, that's but that's changing. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have had such uh, a huge Sinn Féin vote amongst the youth. Out. Only because people are dying out there. But I mean, there's still there's still a whole lot of of, of grey hairs. Like I'm, I'm one myself. Right, who who will just it doesn't matter who they are, you vote for in a fall, you vote for in a gale, because I mean, look, the wall of independence was fought and the wall of independence reached a conclusion. And certainly for the initial few years after that, party politics obviously uh, was hugely relevant to the lives that people were leaving leading rather. But it's no longer relevant, Neil. It really, really isn't. Party lines are no longer relevant. It's who's the best person for the job. Okay. I mean, we're, okay. like, the gentleman out there will go, like, in the context that these people who are elected, they're meant to serve us and the common good. They're serving their party and themselves. They're not serving us. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time. It's interesting, actually, in times of crisis, when you go looking for politicians, looking for comment. <laughs> Radio silence. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Text 0868104106. I agree the government bashing has been over the top and unfair. Uh, who are you agreeing with? Uh, I don't believe it's been over the top and unfair. Uh, the opposition, particularly Sinn Fein, are the worst opposition in the history of the state and offer nothing constructive. They just continue to complain. It's non stop scaremongering without doing anything constructive. I don't agree with the unvaccinated points and I feel that those of us vaccinated will win out eventually. For now, stay strong, stick together and please ignore Mary Lou. Corky Gaboo says, Pat, um, well, I only just moved on to whether or not it's time for major change. And, you know, uh, is it time now at this stage in the history of what we call a republic to give somebody else a chance? Considering the carry on now that we see yet again from those in power and the cronyism and the sets of rules and guidelines uh, and then, oh, you know, when, when something is found out to be, you know, morally wrong or in the spirit of things wrong, they come out and say, ah, no, but the rules did, you know, I mean, imagine if you were the vintners or a restaurateur uh, and you find out now that after a month of not being able to, you could have had 200 people outdoors all along. And, you know, those bookings that you turned away when 50 people came in and they wanted 10 tables or eight tables and you said no to them. You shouldn't have said no to them. But anyway, that wasn't a cultural event. It certainly wasn't by any stretch of the imagination, anything but a jolly old lunch. And I mean, fair play to Catherine's opponent. If she picked up the bill for 50 people eating in the Marion, she can't be short of a bob or two. Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. In September 2020, I had to start claiming job seekers benefit. Uh, I was able to work up to three days a week and claim off my own stamps for the days I wasn't working. Over the past while, the shop I work in had to close due to COVID-19, so I ended up on a pup payment. No politician on a pup payment, lads. Um, Ever since I came back to work after the last lockdown, social welfare have now decided that I can only work one day a week. Anything over and I can't claim my benefits. I've emailed welfare, they passed my concerns to the deciding officer and they said that they stand by their decision. I have been trying to get full-time work. Most places don't even recognise that you sent a CV. Absolutely no communication back at all from businesses. The store that I work can only give me two to three days a week. 
I'm lucky the next two weeks that staff are on holidays so I can get a few extra hours. Travel to the city for work and it costs thirteen fifty return by bus every day or eighteen fifty by train. Uh, you you are really caught between a rock and a hard place, aren't you? This is an example of somebody who wants to work. There's a lot of different stories going on in there. Why am I seeing so many job adverts in Windows, particularly hospitality? I mean, are they all just looking for part-time? Is there some deal going on if you get enough part-time staff, you know, and offer everybody a two-day or a two-and-a-half or a three-day week that you win on tax or something? Or it's you know, is there is there some... Some arrangement there as to why they're all part-time jobs and you have loads of part-timers as opposed to giving full-time work. Fill me in on that. Text 0868104106. And just a fast one. There was chatting about the chap on the air originally from Bandon who's now in uh, Brisbane on Friday's program. Podrick was his name. That was followed up by another email that came in from Adelaide. Uh, Hi, just dropping an email. I know you're inundated with thousands of emails and texts every day. I'm based in Adelaide, South Australia. I've been here five years. Originally from Bandon, and I only moved over here after spending 40 years in Cork. But I've been listening to you for many years. And thanks to modern technology, I listen to the podcast on Spotify daily to keep up with local and national issues from my beloved Cork. I just wanted to show, thank you, she says, we've got a great show and cover open things openly and with humor and crack and sincerity. So thank you for all of that. I just finished the podcast from Thursday morning show. Heard a fellow Corkman, Podrick, you were talking to. He's in Brisbane. Um, I think he's from Bandon as well. Just to throw some light on the vaccine rollout here. It is a complete mess. Bottom line is the government put all their eggs in one basket with AstraZeneca as it's produced in Melbourne. And at the time, it was the perfect solution as it was meant we could get the country done from locally produced AstraZeneca. And this was before the reports on blood clotting kicked in. As a result, no one wants AstraZeneca. Everyone wants Pfizer. The government didn't engage with Pfizer or J&J to require acquire vaccines. All the bets in Australia were put in AstraZeneca and it seemed at the time like a perfect plan until blood clotting came along. Now only 16% of the country are fully vaccinated and we have supply issues with Pfizer and panic because of Delta. And we're probably in lockdown for months. Uh, Not just me, but Queensland and Brisbane and cases are rising. It's not bad in numbers compared to Ireland every day, but with no vaccine available, it'll be December at best before there are enough people vaccinated And even then, as this is a very open country with many, many cultures and free thinking people, there's no guarantee that we will ever vaccinate enough. They're figuring 70% might be the best and hopeful. My friends and family laugh back home when they hear 300 cases shutting down half the country. But it's a different world down here. Yes, where I live, uh, I've lived a COVID-free life since it began, except for the first two months and a seven-day lockdown last week. But other than that, it's been free sailing. Yes, there are restrictions and a lot of businesses have gone to the wall, but I feel I've been lucky to have gotten this far. I know the same can't be said about Victoria, which is going into its sixth lockdown. New South Wales and Queensland as well. As for home to Cork, it'll be the best, uh, it will be at best a year from now if we're left out of this country. You've kept me grounded and I feel the pain and hardship for everyone in Ireland and everything you've gone through over the last 18 months. And I've never been happier to know that some level of normality is returning with easier movement. Anyway, keep up the good work to you and all your team. I'm eight and a half hours ahead, so it's 20 to 5 in the morning. Sorry, 20 to 5 on a Friday evening. I have to put the spuds on and some clonical tea black pudding. You can't beat it, says Aidan Buttermer in Adelaide uh, in South Australia. 
I'm even amazed you can get Clonakilty Black Pudding down there. Do they sell it? Or is it shipped over by your ma'am? Anyway, thanks for that email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Um, lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to the phone lines we go. Liv, good morning. Hiya, how are you? Are you in pain now? I I am in a lot of pain, so um, I might be... I I Conversations are, are a bit harder for me, but we'll, we'll go there anyway. Fibromyalgia and chronic pain is a constant aspect of your daily life, is it? Yeah, um, at 37, I am um, bed-bound most of the time. When you say in bed most of the time, uh, just drill into that a little bit. How much time in bed? Um, so, say I might get, I, my body might relax for maybe an hour a day. And in that hour, I try to get so much done because I can't and then I will be in bed for days after in pain crying without ever getting out of bed without ever I get out as much as I can but uh, unfortunately it's just a part of of the fibromyalgia that if I'm not in pain then I have the fatigue set in so it's like a constant I'm either in pain or else I am just drained and I can't get out of bed. And being in bed, does that alleviate the pain? No. No. Unfortunately not. I I had a bad day now yesterday and I couldn't even watch telly to kind of get my mind off it. I was literally sitting in bed looking at the wall. Are you on painkiller medication? And um, well, that's the thing that I was I was ringing about. Basically, I was hoping that maybe someone out there has fibromyalgia and has had some kind of treatment that I don't necessarily I haven't heard about yet. How long have um, you been like this? So my fibro started um, in my teens, but I got away with it a lot because it was a couple of months between um, between the the symptoms. So I didn't know what was happening. But the last three years, I've literally been more or less bedbound. And there is no known cure, right? There is not. Um, so that's why they kind of, they say, like, painkillers are the way forward. And I've tried all different painkillers. Um, and they don't they don't work because, as far as I'm concerned, and the research that I've done... Um, into fibromyalgia, it's more about the pain receptors in the brain gone wrong. And so, what they send out faulty messaging then to your muscles and your bones, is it? Exactly. So, like, say, if you broke your leg, your pain receptor would go to that part of your leg and give the pain to tell you to go and get a check. The brain puts the pain in the broken leg. You're getting the pain without the the injury. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like when I get the painkiller, there's nothing for the painkiller to work on. I mean, can they inject particular areas that are worse than others? So yeah, and I'm very I'm one of the lucky ones, Neil. I'm I'm actually um I have health insurance. Um it was one thing that my, my dad always made us have. So I am very lucky and um, that I do have a very good GP and a pain consultant. Um 
but they can only do one area at a time every three weeks. So I'm in hospital for the day. This is your life. Getting, getting like um, injections. I got them now um, last Thursday into the into my skull and the right side of my neck. But the rest of my body is in pain still. And that's your physical pain and your physical health. What's your mental health like? So with fibro, and I think this is why people don't talk about it so much, because fibromyalgia is linked to trauma. And people with fibromyalgia will have, you know, mental health issues. And I have no problem saying I have had mental health issues most of my life due to um, child abuse in my in my early years. I'm very sorry to I'm very, very sorry to hear that and that you're carrying the consequences because of those events. I was reading up on fibromyalgia at the weekend and it did say one of the main reasons for fiber kicking in at all, fibromyalgia, is trauma. Yeah. And that that's it and people are so afraid. I think Ireland as a society as well are just so hell bent on pushing kind of things like child abuse under the carpet. And now, it can be an illness as well, or it could be, when I say trauma, it could be an accident, but it, it, could, yeah. it could be what you what you went through, you know, the emotional stress, the anxiety, the torment, the event, you know, the repercussions of all of that. But it, they say yeah. that it does lead to, in many cases, chronic depression. Yes. So um, that's what I have to be very careful of. So I do, I have a good GP that looks after my mental health. I have my good pain specialist that tries to look after the pain, but I'm still three years on, 37, and I can't get up the stairs. I can't get into my shower. Are you alone? You know, I'm not. I'm very lucky. I have a good support system. I live with my dad. So I'm, I'm, I'm extremely lucky. But at the same time... Is your I'm dad your carer open. then, would you say? Oh, 100%. The poor man goes through so much now. He's, he's a, he was meant to be a dad. You know, at 37, I still live with him and he, he makes my breakfast and he makes my dinners. And it's very embarrassing as a 37 year old to have to admit that. Great to have him. But I'm just at the point where, you know, the more you admit stuff, the less, um, the less trauma kind of still comes up once you talk about it. Have you have you it's cut kind of, out all of the bad stuff from your diet? You know, the monosodium glutamates, sugar, too many carbs, like, you know, caffeine, yeast, um, dairy, gluten, all that like, kind of stuff. To be very honest, I have, I have, um, I am overweight, which doesn't help with the fibro. But because not I'm if different. Not if being overweight is from eating all of the wrong foods, it doesn't help, no. Because you need yeah, to get coffee out, tea, Coca-Cola, soft yeah. drinks, chocolate, yeast, gluten, dairy. All of that has to go. Yeah. Well, that, um, and I That would preclude all fast food, for instance. Yeah. Like, I, we don't do fast foods here in my house, really. You know, but my you can be overweight because you can't get out of bed and you can't burn it. off calories. And it's, and it's embarrassing then because, you know, I'm kind of like walking down the road like a 90-year-old woman. And people look and see the weight 
and think Irish are like if she just lost weight she'd be gone. Do you think people are judgmental of you? Um, no. I think I'm very judgmental of myself. You think they're saying that, but you don't know it. Exactly. Like I think I I think I'm just very judgmental on myself. Um, I've never had any any experience of anyone being negative towards me, but at the same time, I suppose I get annoyed with myself because I know losing the weight would help the fibro as well. But Did I you, just can't yes. get out. As you're talking to me now, you're in pain, clearly. Yeah. And it's very hard to even, like, have a, a proper conversation with people. I've had to, I I have had to pause my master's in UCC because I can't concentrate at all. Okay. And I fought for everything that I have. Like, I have had, I, I went back to college, I've done youth and community development in UCC. I, I volunteer with um, at-risk youth. And I do it because I feel like I can help, but now I can't even help myself. And this is a cry for help, really, isn't it? Oh, 100%. It's just okay. to the point where I, I just don't know how long more I can put up with this. You know, I'm going into my GP, I'm bawling. Every time I cry, then I don't cry too much because every time I cry, the pain gets 10 times worse. When you say, I don't know how long more I can put up with this, are you saying that there will come a time when you'll put up with it no more? Um, well, look, I, with that, I am very, I, I have had mental health issues and I have had, um, suicide attempt which I'm not ashamed of it's part of my journey but since my mom passed eight years ago um, I have had I have like it in my head that I would never put my dad through that I know so that's that's the main thing for me staying here is my dad you know if it wasn't for my dad I, I like look you know like, I, I don't think anyone should be in constant pain. And Oh, listen, I mean, don't, don't judge anybody until you walk in their shoes or walk with your pain. I know what you're saying, though, that it would devastate your dad. Oh, 100%. And it would devastate my family, you know. I've seen, I've seen that. I've seen it before when I, when I unfortunately had, was on life support. So, you know, it's not... Like in the moment when you came off when you came me, off life support, were you happy to be alive? Um, I suppose I was. I was annoyed that it didn't work. Were you? But I'm happy now that it it didn't work. You know. What goes through your head when you're doing something like that? Just up to the event. There's there's nothing. The only thing that goes through your head is, you know, I'm better off. They're all better off without me. You know, they they have their life. They Like, my sisters come over all the time to help me. I can't make my bed. I can't hoover. So is, it, is, is, is your thought process something along the lines of, I will no longer be a burden to them? Yes, 100%. But you, you're not a burden, you see, but you think you are. Yeah, it, and it's, it's like, it's those continuous thoughts and then add on the pain 
and the fatigue and you just can't you just feel like you're you're drowning basically Yes but is it you know that moment must be a very very sad and lonely moment It it is because you're not thinking of anyone else but yourself in that moment to give yourself relief you know um it's it, it's a hard situation and it's it's one that I have had to deal with most of my life um but, but not but giving I, up I, hope I, is what you need to hold on to, isn't it? And that's it, and that's exactly why I was ringing well, today. Well, I'm just hang on a second there, then, uh, Marie. Uh, line three, Marie. Good morning. How much of that conversation did you hear, Marie? I heard it all. Okay, I heard it all. And how much of that described you? Um. Well, thank God for the last three years, I'm okay. But before that, nothing. before you were okay. Oh, the the same thing. Like as we say, fibromyalgia. What can it be? Pain all over and nothing to see. Yeah. Nothing to see to the outside world. You mean? Yes. That's why they say, "Ah, it's all in your head." Is it? Yes. Yes. Did people say that to you? You're imagining it. Get over it. Oh, yes, they did. They did. They. Think you're not right in the head, and you're this, and you're looking for sympathy, and you're looking for that. Everyone to do everything for you. That if you're you that if you're if you have chronic fatigue, that you're lazy. Is it? Yes, yes, yes. Now this girl said that she is overweight. I personally don't think it's anything to do with weight because I am underweight. How so, did you get rid of the pain? I got rid of the pain. Um, I had no life for a start when I the fibromyalgia got really, really bad. Um, you had these things like feeling that you had no legs, you had no hands, no arms, and it just stopped me on my tracks. And I said, I'm going to do everything here in my power to just get away from all the meds that I was taking because I was on a lot of meds. I was like a zombie. I was afraid to drive. I was afraid to collect my grandchildren in the car. So I went cold turkey on my medication and I started to take Nature's Aid and turmeric 8,200 mgs every morning. And after about three weeks... The pain just eased off, and now I have my life back. On turmeric? Turmeric, yes. It's nature's aid. Turmeric, 8,200 mgs. Which is a strong dose. It is a strong dose. It is, but it's only one tablet a day. A lot of those doses come as uh, 800 mgs, maybe 1,200, maybe 2,000. You are on 8,200. I'm on 8,200, yes. Yes, and I can get up and I can do my house. I can go with my grandchildren. I can do whatever I want. Okay, I'll finish this conversation, lads, because I have another minute or two in it after 11. Hi, it's Killian here. Weeknights from 10 with new music, some flashbacks and a bit of chit-chat as well. That's The Late Shift with me, Killian, on Quark's Red FM. Officially Ireland's music station of the year. Okay, I just wanted to finish my conversation with Liv and uh, Marie because there's a lot of texts also came in from other people who are suffering also. But Liv, did you ever hear of nature's aid, turmeric? 
I, I've heard of people using turmeric before, but I've never heard of it. I know it's an anti-inflammatory, natural anti-inflammatory, isn't it? So I, I've never heard of it. I've never tried it myself. But so. it's exciting now. At least this is something that, like, it changed your life, Marie, didn't it? It did, yeah. Yeah, only for us. I tell you something, I just would be, might as well not be here. It was that bad? Oh, very, very bad. Very bad. Any idea where it came from? It could be trauma. It could be stress that triggers it because it's all actually all nerve damage in the body. You hadn't been for surgery or in hospital or any kind of infections or, uh, you know. I I did have surgery. I had a major surgery in 2012. I had fibromyalgia for the last 14 years. So. Okay. Would, it, would that be something you might try, Liv? Oh, I'm sitting here now taking notes. So, Marie, thank you so much. And this is no exactly problem. what I wanted to try and find no. something. You can you can take the turmeric, okay? Give it three weeks to get into your system. But you cannot take the turmeric if you're on blood thinners. Oh, yeah, that's grand. I, I'm like, you know, I've come off nearly everything now. With my should GP she, should she, did you go to a GP first, Marie, to get direction on that? Um, I didn't. I didn't. I just done it myself. I done, done some research on it. Now, there is a page on Facebook. It's a private page just for people with fibromyalgia. It's called Fibromyalgia Help and Inspiration. And there is some fantastic ideas out there. That will help. And can I you get, okay, my, well, let live, let live, follow that page. And can you get that dose that you're referring to in pharmacies? You can, yeah. You can. Do they ask any oh. questions, no? No, no. I'd, well, I can buy it online because in counter breaks it now, it's actually hard to get it here in Ireland, like everything else. I know. All of the things Ireland. that you used to buy, all of the suppliers and uh, um, many of the Amazon people are saying, we no longer ship to Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So where I actually get it is, I get from McCabe's Pharmacy, which are very, very good. Um, They stopped getting it, and I wrote to them, and I explained my case. And next I got a phone call back, where after putting in an order, it's on the way. And is is your life 100% normal now, in that regard? Yes. Now, I do have still um, burning a little bit of burning in the head if I go into places where there's air conditioning. But apart from that, everything else has cleared up. Yeah. No more pain, no more fatigue, no, no, no more um, no. mood-related issues, nothing like that. No, no. And I can, now I don't drink, but I can go uh, partying if I want to. Going to a pub, I can go to a wedding, I dance all day, I dance all night. Were you bed bound at one stage? Um, I didn't want to get out of bed, but I pushed myself. I had to. Okay, okay. I think this is a great opportunity, Liv. Maybe this is something you should investigate. Oh, no, she wants my number. Oh no, you she guys, you number. guys can chat off the air, and you can give her whatever direction she needs. Um, I will, of course. Uh, and, and I will, of course, no problem because Thank I you so much. No problem at all. Like I put this out on this inspiration group and fibromyalgia page and I've told a lot of people with fibromyalgia about the turmeric 
and they were taking CBD oil. I tried it, didn't work for me. Uh, they were taken in other countries because of older people, 85-year-olds that have fibromyalgia, and they were taking marijuana, which you can't get here in Ireland, mm. uh, which you can't get nothing anywhere in Ireland for anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've actually stopped, and they are taking the turmeric 8,200 mgs every morning. And they have just changed completely. Do you ever think called fibro fog? Yes. Is that, in, is that <laughs> inability to concentrate, is it? Yeah. Yeah. You're you're there, but you're not there kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you're there, but you're trying to listen and it's just blank. Okay, okay. You just can't take things in. Okay, well, listen, I'm glad you picked up the phone. I see a lot of other texts and calls on this, which I'll come back to after the break. But Liv, it would be great to talk to you in a month or so. A hundred percent. Thank you. I'm so, so much. looking forward really to talking to you again. You know, I really am now to see if there's an improvement. That's like after that. giving me now a bit of a another boost to just try something and get my life back. Okay. You know. Okay. Now, there, okay. there is also it's called the twelve spoon challenge. Right, you get out twelve spoons every morning, and for every little task that you do around the house, you take a spoon away. Now I you might do only that get three well. done. The spoon theory. Yes. 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 I've read about that and it is very good because I always kind of say, I've no spoons left now today and my family understand then. Instead yes. of moaning, I'm just like, I've no spoons, leave me alone. <laughs> like, people don't understand with fibromyalgia because there's nothing to see. There's, yeah, and you you look grand, but it's like, yeah, I, yeah. it's just, it's frustrating. It really is. Okay, I'm excited. I'm excited about uh, your hopeful transformation, Liv. I really am. So, um, again, let me say with a caveat on the end of this: if you want to seek medical advice as well, uh, go for it. You know, with regards to the the dose of the turmeric, because otherwise it would be reckless for me to, uh, you know, just Uh, send somebody off doing something like that without checking. Okay, I'm one of the lucky ones that way. This is just a natural herb. Yes, I know. Well, uh, no, it's just with regards to the the dose. But if it's sold in a pharmacy, then it's got to be uh, it's got to be hunky dory, eighty two milligrams. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. There's no side effects, miss, or nothing. Okay, we'll we'll chat again probably sometime uh, maybe mid September and see how that's going. All right. Thank you yeah. so much. I really appreciate it, and thank You're you welcome. so much, Marie. Okay, we'll swap phone numbers for you guys, Marie and Liv. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, I'll come back to the uh, the turmeric in a few seconds' time, just to be, because f- I'll run out of time if I don't do this now. But if you're interested in flags, bunting, cork colours, anything to do with celebrating the semi-final win and the countdown to Croker for the final morning, Neil, I've been searching cork for red and white flags for the last few weeks. Miners are in the Munster final tonight. Carol's Gift Shop on Patrick Street. Only shop with flags. Sports Direct in Middleton also have a small supply. No bunting anywhere to be got. I bought online at the GAA store, so there's a few options for you. But, John, my old buddy, old pal nicest coffee in the city at Twilight News. We have cork flags and bunting for sale in Twilight News, Patrick Street and Paul Street Shopping Centre. Flags 
and bunting. And I should have a lot more in the next few days. I'll give you some to give away for free. Oh, it's like the good old days again. huh? Isn't it amazing that a sporting triumph can lift all ships? Thank you, John. Get into Twilight News. They have some more on the way. You know, when you say those flags, I love the ones that you can just use uh, on your uh, driver's window, you know, or on the back windows. And you can have the flags like, you know, Red FM have them all of the time off the patrollers. I think they look brilliant. Do you know any shops around Cork selling green and white flags and car flags? Not to support Limerick, but to support Ara Glenn, who will compete in the Junior B Hurling County Final next Sunday for the first time since 99 against Fremont. Come on, the green and white! Be great if you could read this out to support a small hurling club in North Cork. I would do, but do you not run the risk of having a green and, flag, green and white flag in your car and people think you might be supporting Limerick? They might let the air out of your tires. <laughs> um, those flags that you refer to through the window, they fall off. They're very annoying. <laughs> yeah, well, they, w- they, they will fall off if you open the window, right? <laughs> not supposed to put them in the back windows or something. Just get them up there. There are guys in Blarney uh, selling flags close to Blarney Filling Station. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Where can we get bunting and flags and all sorts of cork paraphernalia for the next few weeks? And more, more to the point, where can you get a ticket or two? Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one six. Can I just say again, with regards to um, the dose of turmeric that was referred to, I think it was something in the region of 8,200 milligrams, which is uh, a fairly hefty dose. Uh, sometimes they're 800, 1,000, maybe 1,200, 2,000. At least the stuff I think, I take anyway, but this is 8200, so it's quite strong. But um, again, you cannot take it if you are on blood thinners, and I can't say that enough, not if you're on blood thinners. Lines open at 1850 Gillian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so did you find those conversations enlightening? I, well, I feel very sorry for the first lady to lose. I mean, she's going through an awful stage of it. I was diagnosed with it um, about 20 years ago, 21 years ago, and I was very bad at that stage. And um, nobody knew what was wrong with me. Um, I had just, I, I could be walking around the next thing I'd start shouting in pain. And it would disappear as fast as it would come. And um, I went to a physiotherapist because I thought I had done something and I got physio and I found I was getting worse. So eventually my GP sent me to Mr. Malloy, Mick Malloy, and as he diagnosed me with fibromyalgia, he did a lot of different tests on me and it was a relief to find out I had, that what? I had something. It was a relief to have a diagnosis, but also because yeah. did you feel yeah. that people didn't believe you? I did. You see, I thought people thought I was losing. Well, I actually thought people thought I was losing it. I actually began to think myself that I was losing it. That was all in my head. So when Mr. Malloy told me what I had, I actually was relieved. I was absolutely relieved. It didn't matter what pain at that stage. At least I knew there was something wrong. Yeah, but you also knew that they said it was incurable. It is incurable, and I still have it. And um, I'm I'm not as bad like that lady now. I'm not as bad as I was. I was way worse. Um, I've done every medication going, absolutely everything. Um, I am off most meds. I'm off all the lyricists and all those kinds of things. Now I'm only on really painkillers and muscle relaxants and um, a lot of vitamins like the turmeric. Now I'm on I'm on turmeric. I take turmeric uh, 400 twice a day. Um, I drink turmeric tea. I'm also on blood thinners. I'm on aspirin, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to bother because I'm on a low dosage of turmeric. You are very low, yeah, low, yeah, low, low, yeah, low. Yeah, yeah. Of the, if I saw that on the shelf, I wouldn't buy it. But for you, it's the right yeah. one for you. Yeah, yeah. it is the right one for me. Yeah, yeah. I take. I also take uh, magnesium 
because magnesium is very good for muscle cramps and things like that. So I take magnesium and I take sulfate and... Uh, oh, right. Do you change your diet at all? No, my diet wouldn't have anything at all to do with it, Neil. Okay, you weren't That's eating a lot nothing. of carb or you weren't eating a lot of monosodium no, glutamate, drinking too much I, coffee, too much wheat? No, no, I would be, um, I wouldn't be uh, on any one thing particular. Okay, I might have a day where I'd have four slices of toast, I might have a day where I wouldn't, I might have a day where I have two cups of coffee, um, I might have a day I wouldn't. I don't drink, I gave up cigarettes 10 years ago. So I have I've changed my my habits that I had with cigarettes, like drinking ordinary tea, to tea, things that I don't associate with cigarettes. Oh, the felt, triggers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just felt that you know smoking didn't help me. And, and what was your trigger? What was your trigger for reaching for a cigarette? Was it a cup of Barry's tea? Oh, it was a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I well, I could honestly tell you, I about lit maybe thirty five a day. I wouldn't say I smoked them. I put it on the ashtray and I go off doing something and I come back to the car and I might light up another one. So I would say maybe I smoked uh, 15 to 20 a day. So you literally I smoked don't. some of it and you burned the rest of your money. Just lit it yeah, burned out in the ashtray. That's what I teach you. Wasted it away on that. So I am, um, but what I was going to say is that, I, like with fibromyalgia, some people, I really never advise people when they say to me because everybody is affects differently. I really believe that everybody has different pains. Like I get new pains, new things happening to me all but the time. But if she's not on, like, if she's not on blood thinners, she might as well give it a punt. I think so as well. I yeah. think so. But I, I wouldn't. What I'm saying is, for me, I, like I get new, um, I get new symptoms all the time. I have at the moment now, when I went to see a dermatologist, a thing in my head, um, on my scalp. It's like as if my scalp and my hair is sore, and it's burning. But that's another thing that I isn't talked about a lot. That's lupus, isn't it? It's light lupus now. It's light lupus. It's yeah. the same kind of thing. They couldn't see anything, but I, I feel it like little white heads on my scalp. And sometimes it goes and it's gone for a week. And then and I've changed all my shampoos down to natural shampoo. Um, I, I don't use anything with anything in it. Same with perfumes and things. I've taken away all those things because I didn't feel they helped me. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. And would you yeah, say so that fibromyalgia I, usually is from some form of trauma? Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know that um, really. Um, I, I can't think of any trauma, you know, that yeah. I've had in my life that would cause it. No, yeah, I've had I normal traumas, you know, but I can't think of anything that would have caused it. Okay. And another thing, another symptom that I find you get is, um, and you think you're getting a heart attack. It's a pain, but it's on your right hand side, yeah, behind your breast, and it's absolutely dreadful. It comes out your back. And it comes up your neck, and I've looked it up, and it is to do with fibromyalgia again. It's 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 part of fibromyalgia. Okay. okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I think you know. I think I just just want to say that you know, with everybody, it's different. I will never be cured. There is no cure for it. It won't kill me, and that's a good thing. Okay. Well, um, you're taking all of the right steps to alleviate it, and congratulations on that, Gillian. Let me talk to Hilda if you don't mind. But thank you so much. Great to chat, Hilda. Is it Hilda or Hulda? Hulda. My apologies. Is that German? Uh, Swiss German. Swiss German. Let's be accurate. My father okay. was Swiss. Yes, very okay. accurate. All right. So, your tell me yeah. about tell me about your daughter. Okay, so my youngest daughter was told at the age of seventeen and a half that she had fibromyalgia. She'd suffered with chronic back pain, depression, wouldn't eat. The moods, me. She was like we used to call her the terrorist. She was <laughs> a demon child. I mean, you'd be afraid to open the bedroom door in the morning for the reaction that you'd get. But it was all down to pain, all down to pain. 
in her back and her legs and her head and her, every part of her body. So her GP told me that she had fibromyalgia. We tried physio. We did blood tests. There was nothing came out. There was nothing showed up. My brother had been to an osteopath in Clonakilty, so I went to him and he did the tissue massage just to relieve the pain that she was in constant. I suppose we went to him once a month for a couple of months and in the end she said, really, I can't do any more. You need a chiropractor. We trolling Facebook, I found a chiropractor in Ballincollig. I don't know if I can mention the name. Sure, if it helped. Uh, his name is Dr. Ben Martin. He is from Optimal Chiropractors in Ballincollig. I took Molly to him on the first visit. She did a scan and had a conversation with Molly and told Molly that the majority of Molly's fibromyalgia, I presume inverted commas, was due to a lot of emotional trauma, stress, etc. For 10 years or more, no. I don't want to say too much. No, I wouldn't overshare on behalf of your daughter. Yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. There's a big family trauma. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah. So yeah. we're now, I suppose, 18 months or more. We started off going to see Ben uh, twice a week for a weekly for adjustments, what he called adjustments in her back. And he explained to us what was happening with Molly was that all the muscles around her spinal cord that send the messages to her brain were... I'm not a doctor, were, for want of a better word, inflamed. So the messages weren't getting to her brain or back to her spine. And the, the areas were blockaged. It was like kind of an MS situation. Do you know what I mean? Where the brain is blocked. Did he cure it? Did he fix it? Did he help it? She's 18 months going to buy it, Ben. And I have to say, we go once a month now, and she's like a new child. Okay. And is there any of that available through the health system, no? He takes VHI. He does take VHI. Yeah, but I like him. for those that don't have no, private health insurance, there's no. chiropractor. I don't think it's available through a medical card or the health system. But he's a private practitioner. He's amazing. Um, like Molly, it's like getting my daughter back. I have to honestly say she must be delighted, is she? She was put on salsadine, Exprim, like painkillers that were far beyond her age. If you get me, you yeah, know. I know, I know, and having no effect. Every time, as she says, every time we go on the window bend the surgery, it says, expect miracles. And she said, she got a miracle. <laughs> she <laughs> said her whole life has come back. Her Brilliant. whole life has, has been turned around. So I would, I don't know if others have tried it, but I just have to say, I found him amazing. And we are, we keep going and we have sent other people referrals to him and they have truly found him amazing. Thank you for that. Hulda, oh. regards to you and your daughter. The singer Lady Gaga suffers from fibromyalgia and chronic pain too. Uh, she's like the poster girl for fibromyalgia and is always pushing more research into it. Thank you for that text. While reading up on it on the weekend, I also heard that Morgan Freeman, the actor, has been a sufferer uh, for many, many years. Morgan Freeman's still alive, incidentally. Do you know the way as you plow along through this life, you have to keep up with the stars who are no longer with us? I'm sure that he is. I don't uh, do him a disservice. Thank you. Still a hail and hearty, apart from the fibro at the age of 84. When we were talking last week, I read out an email from a mother whose daughter is going through dreadful anxiety. Dreadful anxiety and awful anxiousness. Um, uh, I don't have the email in front of me right now, but if I recall, it had to do with the marital breakup and also spousal issues within the home. It was pretty toxic. Uh, and while uh, Mammy was doing her best to navigate through it and eventually the relationship came to an end and they parted company, it did leave a lot of collateral damage, particularly with regards to her daughter. 
and I was telling you that story on the air last week and she was literally asking uh, what is the best way to deal and to help her daughter through all of the anxiety and the depression and the and the fear even of going out Big response to that at the time. Uh, and let me just give you some of the text on this. We all know of the terrific work that Pieta House does. They are fantastic with kids and teenagers. So thank you for that, Lisa. Uh, there are a few low-cost counselling centres in Cork City and County for that lady who's wondering about getting a service for her daughter. She should ask for a person trained to work with children, such as a play therapist or an art ter- therapist, as opposed to an adult counsellor. Um, that's an interesting uh, take on it. Somebody of her own age or maybe somebody who works with people of her own age. The ISPCC counselling for children is available if they contact Foroiga. Big brother, big sister program is called. Uh, Short term counselling is available with the Hazelton Clinic. Uh, they have uh, staff who are fabulous with children. The sessions are expensive at 80 euro. But social welfare and St. Vincent de Paul may help with covering the costs of counselling if they approach them for help. Um, and then a few people were talking about Joe O'Brien, the Cork therapist, is brilliant. I'm going to myself on Saturdays. He's on Instagram and also has a website. And one more here. I work in mental health. I think that young girl should be seen by her GP. She should also contact Jigsaw for Teens. Also, the GP can refer the child to the Children's Mental Health Services, commonly known as CAMS. And Terry O'Sullivan in town is great for teens with anxiety. There's an agency called Jigsaw that specializes in counseling 12 to 16-year-olds. It's parent referral, so there's no doctor needed. Uh, they are not for crisis. It would be well worth giving them a call. They'll point the mum in the right direction. Uh, dear God, is this what society is coming down to? Listen to what Neil is saying. Uh, he's not an agree. Oh, no, sorry. This is a different text that slipped in there, which was actually unrelated to it. Um, I think it actually has more to do with the issues involving uh, the, the silver key. But I think we'll move on from that one. My apologies if I didn't get to all of those. Um, and we'll tr- drive on with that. Calls, texts and emails after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And loads and loads of COVID cert disasters, one after the other. Can you help my mum to get her a COVID cert? I'm due to get married on August 17th in Glasgow. Both my parents are fully vaccinated. Neither have received their cert. My mum spent 13 hours on the phone waiting to speak to someone on the helpline. Uh, when she does, each time she's told they do not know where her cert is or when she will receive it. She was told to contact Ryanair to find out what the restrictions are. Uh, all this after trying to do everything correctly. Instead of looking forward to her son's wedding, she's now stressed out of her mind because of an incompetent government. This stuff really does does make me embarrassed to be Irish sometimes. Don't know why. I don't know why she's not getting COVID. You don't say when she actually got the second jab, you know, and that's when the clock starts ticking on the on the cert. But I don't know whether or not she registered and got it uh, through her GP or whether she registered herself uh, online. I don't think that the COVID portal will help you. I think the COVID portal is, although maybe, maybe it would. I think the, po- the COVID portal primarily helps those people um, who have got um, a cert that's spelled wrong or doesn't have the correct details. You know, the COVID certificate portal.gov.ie website. There's another one then, because um, this person, you, you could have even gone on your holidays by now, but I don't think so, because I think this just came in on Friday. I'm going on holidays abroad next week, this week. Tried to request the cert by email uh, on the COVID certificate portal.gov.ie website. Been trying for five days on the phone, the laptop, the PC. I'm entering all my details correctly, but the message I'm getting is we can't issue your cert at this time. Maybe we're missing some relevant data relating to your cert. I've tried every combination on the portal vaccine uh, type, origin, phone, the helpline. 
Um, still hasn't been answered after two hours. I'm a member of Mums of Glanmire and some of the women were waiting over three hours on the phone to be answered. I can't wait that long. I'm at work. It's a quite a lengthy uh, text. I wonder, just, um, this might sound stupid, but one of the things that I did originally um, was I put my surname where my Christian name was and my Christian name where my surname was. Couldn't understand why the process wouldn't continue. You know, simple things like that. I, it might sound daft, but you never know. Maybe there are people out there who are doing it the wrong way around. Uh, lots of other texts and emails on that. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. But I want to go back to the back to our phone lines um, and pick up on calls and topics from earlier on this morning. Remember the um, mum whose son came out at ten. We're chatting with uh, Tracy about her, her son who sat her down and said that he loves boys and he doesn't love girls. And, of course, the trolling and the abuse that she got then when um, uh, Red FM and the Pride Week in Cork sent uh, three of the queens out for a party. Um, and the reaction to it from some people uh, was just atrociously bad. Trolling and bullying and name-calling. Uh, prompted a call from Senator Jerry Bottomer. Jerry, good morning. You said by morning, t- you said by tweet by text. That's why pride visibility role models are so important. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is the, the situation you described this morning is heartbreaking, and we shouldn't have to have young people today enduring that sort of trolling or bullying, or, or being intimidated in being gay or trans or lesbian or bi, or even in in the in, in heterosexual community having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And, and it, it, what I'm saying is about pride is pride is visibility. It's an opportunity for all of us who are of the LGBTQ community to be able to march, to be able to, to parade, if you like, to be able to celebrate our uniqueness of, in, in, in a minority grouping. Uh, and we shouldn't have to be that way. And, and hopefully someday that won't happen. But, but my, my tweet was based upon the story and the experience of some. And, and that's what pride allows. It affords a safe space an opportunity for people to come together to gather. Uh, and many people don't understand that, but that is why we have to, and that's why we have it. And if you look across the world, uh, and in many parts of the world, there's regression of human rights and of LGBT rights, uh, which is why we must stand up to it, whether it's in the Balkans or but, Belarus or whether it's yeah. Africa or parts of America or Ireland. You know, and, and, and it's important that people understand that there are role models that, you know, are, are needed and, 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 and that can offer that, safe harbour and, and groups that safe space and in Cork we have a very good Cork Gay project uh, we have a very good you know belong to organisation that, that works with our young people uh, to ensure there is safe space created where people can be free to be who they are and that's ultimately what but hand on your but a hand on your heart though because you described something that has been with us for thousands of years that's say for instance religious mm. persecution racism homophobia it will always be there won't it? It, it, it will if we allow it to be as dominant as it, as it is in some parts of the world. And, and my, my answer to you on that is, look at the repression and the mental health issues that affected so many people, for example, of the LGBT community who had to emigrate, who had to leave Cork or leave rural Ireland and go to Dublin or London or New York or wherever to be able to have the life and the freedom to be who they are. There and, was very that, few self-same partners that came out or even would even dare to live together. When I was in my teens or 20s, I can tell you that. It just but that's the point they're making. And, and that, but that was a repressed society. That was an, an autocratic society dictating what we should all follow. And, and my point to you is today, it, it's, far more, it's far healthier for, for members of the LGBTQ community to be able to live 
in your estate or my estate and be free to be who they are. But if I remember correctly, a lot of that was driven by the church back then, you know. In some cases it was, but it was also society and, and it was also the way people thought. Uh, and now that we have role models, that we have people, you know, in that old Sesame Street, you know, who are the people in your, in your neighbourhood, we're all the same, we're all equal, we're all human beings, the same values, driven by the same motivations. Uh, and that's why pride, and that's why today the piece in your programme is so important, that we offer people an opportunity to be able to come on your programme, to articulate and to voice uh, their concerns, but also to celebrate their uniqueness. Um, and, and that's why pride is important. And, and that's why I think it's imperative that we allow for, for people to be, to be able to go to different organizations and different safe spaces to, 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 to celebrate. Like Link, for example, it does a Trojan Walk in Cork City for Women. A Cork Air Project is, is an example. You, uh, two fabulous organizations that do you, work so hard to give people an opportunity. Do you find it out. surprising that you would have mm. a 10 year old boy coming out so young? Not today, Neil, because there's an awareness among young people that was not there, to go back to your other comment, 40, 50 years ago. And people are freer to express themselves today, which is a good thing at one level, uh, because it allows them an opportunity to be able to, to, to say to their mum or dad that they have different feelings or that they're, or they're unsure or they're, or, or they're thinking they're moving in a certain way. And, and that's good. That's healthy. Okay, so you can, you can be sure at 10, can you, Jerry? Well, I'm, I'm not saying you can, but what I'm saying is... It's, You're discussing it at least. You were discussing at least, I mean, Neil, isn't it far better for a 10-year-old kid, child to have an open relationship with their 100%, parents than rather yeah. one that is suppressed and, 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 and oppressed and that they don't feel the confidence to be able to speak about any issue? I mean, I think it's very healthy that young people can speak to their parents or, or to all of us about many issues that you and I in our, in our, at that age wouldn't even think about talking about. We'd be afraid to. I mean, I remember my own case, even even talking about being gay to friends of mine was like taking a step out onto the big, big journey, the big bad world. When did you go you public then? Was that a big step? Well, that was, well, that was, it wasn't a big step because as you said at the time, it, it wasn't a surprise because it was really, you know, don't ask, don't tell in my case, but, but many No, but I think I said is it was no history. big deal at that. I didn't mean yeah, that in no. a derogatory derogatory way and oh, so no, and it, no you didn't to be fair and I'm not taking it that way at all no you didn't and to be fair but what I'm saying to you is you know you take someone like Don Lowe Cusack as an example in the GA is a fantastic role model you, you know you take Kelly Harrington yesterday you know we could we could take a whole list of people in the Olympics Tom Daly we uh, the first transgender athlete winning a medal competing these are all progressive simple little steps that you and I because we're broad minded and open minded take for granted but if you're a child sitting in your bedroom uh, on social media, worrying and, 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 and talking to friends and then some one friend trolls you and outs you or whatever. That's a big issue, Neil. And, and that's why we must always offer support and offer visibility to people who are on a journey. And it is a life journey. Yeah, well said. Well said. I like the an- analogy of Sesame Street, like where, where it used to be, forgive me for doing this, a postman is a person in your neighbourhood. You're saying a gay man is a person in your neighbourhood. He's the person well, that you meet when I, you're walking down the street. Can I give you the example of, of there was an elderly couple where I live here and lovely people, great neighbours, we, we interacted regularly. I cut their grass, gave them spins to master to the shop and one day we were going down. I gave yeah, you were chasing votes, I'd say, go away all that. No, I, no, I was in both and I gave him a spin down and he said, isn't it terrible we have two gay people in our park, I hear. And I said, oh, tell me who they are. He said, I don't know, but I hear they're living in our park and I told him. And there was silence. He got out of the car. And you told him that it's you they're talking about. Me and my, my, and my now husband. And then a couple of days later, he appeared with a bottle of wine to say, thank you and sorry. And he said, we're no different at all. And I said, that is 
the truth of the matter. And from then until the day he died, we had a wonderful relationship. But well, why would he have said in the first place, isn't it terrible? Because that's the culture he was brought up in. That was the view he had from a combination of different sources and different views. And until he, until he discovered that the people that were gay in his estate had the same values, the same concerns about cutting the grass, looking after each other, you know, going shopping, you know, going to church, you know, being involved in different organizations. He understood then there was the same value system that we were no different other than our sexuality. Okay. And, and it, it was a phenomenal, you know, moment because we were very friendly. And, and, for, and I said, oh, this is going to wreck the relationship, the friendship. And it didn't. But there are other people who have been estranged from family and relationships, uh, uh, from their family and friends, because of coming out and because of their sexual persuasion. Uh, because and, there would have been a time years previous to that when you would have said nothing. Correct. And that's the point I'm making. So our 10-year-old young man today is someone we should support, nurture, encourage. And if he doesn't end up you know, um, being supported. He will live a life of fear, a life dominated by worry about what people will think and how he'll be judged. Uh, and he will be subjected to different types of behaviour that we should not stand up for. Okay. All right. Listen, I, thank you for that. Inspiring words. But I can't let you go without asking you whether or not you went to the lunch in the Marion. No, Neil, I didn't go to the lunch in the Marion. And how did I know the yeah. lunch in the Marion was on? Well, if it had been on and you were invited, would you have gone? I can't answer that because after what happened to me last year, I'd be very careful in what I've done. But surely be to God, well, what happened to you last year and everybody else at Golfgate, Leo Varadkar would have the cop on to know that it may not have breached any rules or guidelines, but it was still the wrong thing to do. Well, in, in, in fairness to him, he, he, he checked with the organisers and he checked... What? With the, but I can't understand that, Jerry. What is the tarnish of a country calling a reception of a hotel for advice for? He should know. Well, the, the regulations did change 37 different times, and I, I'm sure if you did a straw poll in your program or if you did an analysis yourself and anyone around you, you we would find it hard-pressed at times to understand what actually is the regulations, and that's not saying that, you know, we, we have to be careful. And, and it was an outdoor event. Outdoor events are permitted. There were 24,000 of us in Crow Park yesterday. Was everybody in Crow Park yesterday wearing a mask and social distance? Uh, you know, that's the question I would pose. So the question I'm saying to you is, with COVID, uh, and in my case, the learning I took from last year is, oh, you have to be very careful and extra careful. And I've done that to the best of my ability. And, you know, but the, there was there was at no time anywhere in the country where 50 people were at an event, albeit outdoors, a swanky plush hotel. They couldn't afford it anyway in the first place. But yet they see. And of course, the whole thing came from the cronyism of the appointment to to um to, to Catherine Zappone to the UN I mean you talked about suppression and oppression that's what we are when we see stories like that involving our well, politicians well to be fair Neil the one thing about Simon Coveney is that Simon Coveney is motivated by public good and, and he's a person that has championed the upholding of human rights in Ireland and across the world uh, and his motivation was nothing but pure and, and of good intent but isn't, crony, isn't it cronyism to give it to an honor, uh, an unelectable TD, somebody who couldn't get elected. But it's a job for the boys. But, 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 Neil, it goes back to my point to you. I mean, for example, there's a very good friend of mine, Nick Herbert, who's a former member of Parliament in England, who is, who is doing a similar job for the Tories, the Conservative government in England. There are other friends of mine filling the role in, in different parts of the world. We need to pursue human rights 
in a manner that is aggressive and and, and that uh, is no i'm not going back to, i'm not yeah, going into no. i'm not going into the intricacies of the job it's for, uh, the point i was making that it was offered unadvertised as a kind of a uh, consolation prize for not getting yeah, elected look, i mean look we all accept there was mistakes made but all i can say to you is knowing simon Coveney the way i do the man is motivated by public good by public service and by pursuing human rights and there was no other motivation in his mind or in the, the t-shirt's mind or the tarnish's mind rather in this i mean i i, I know simon Coveney. simon Courtney is a good person. He's motivated by one but thing. You're, but you're it's saying that Faradko was right to go to the lunch then? No, I'm, what I'm saying is he, 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 he took soundings on the legality in terms of whether it was right or wrong. To but sure, if he had asked at all, he should have gone with his gut unknown. The minute you're asking questions, you should have doubt. But there you go. That is human nature, Neil. And, and you know, if it was, a, if it, he apologised to the people for for going, uh, as I did, uh, we all make mistakes. Uh, and those of us who haven't made a mistake in this life, you know, let them stand up now because we've all made mistakes. And COVID has changed, you know, everything. And and things change and evolve in COVID the whole time. Like regulations change thirty seven different times. Um, and and yeah, maybe and and you are right. The whole process of the of the envoy position needs to be re-clarified in terms of how it should be appointed, how it should be advertised, if it should be advertised, uh, what's the job specification, who was qualified for it. But I will say this, Neil, in the overarching, you know, human rights, there is a need for people to stand up for for the rights of people around the world, and in particular the LGBT community. And and we see it in parts of Africa, we see it in parts of of, of Western Europe today, but more importantly in Eastern Europe, where there is right being taken away and there are people being suppressed and there are people being incarcerated. I know, I understand. I'm not taking from that but I, but I note how uh, how dexterous you are with regards to avoiding the question. I, I'm, moving, no, I, I mean, I'm not talking about human rights now. I'm talking about do as I say, not as I do. But, but that is what we all try to do. That is what we've all, we all in terms of COVID, that's how we got the numbers down. That's how we, we, we got our vaccination program working was we all bought into the need for vaccination. And, and now the, the argument has moved on to a different issue. But what I will say to you is it, COVID has, has cha- changed so fast uh, that we all have to be vigilant and careful and, and, and take cognizance uh, of what and where we are. And, and I would put the question to you yesterday. Including 50 at a Jolly in the Marion, incidentally. Well, Neil, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could take a, a, a walk around our city and county and you'll find different outdoor events where there was 50 people at it. Uh, and and you could look at people, you know, gathering in different places around town. Fifty and, what? Fifty uh, holo- po- you know. fifty politicians are, um, you know. Well, I, I don't know who was there. Neil. I wasn't there. Well-heeled individuals in the in the in the in the garden of the five-star Marion Hotel. I don't think so. Well, I, I can tell you, I've never been in the garden of the Marion Hotel, so I can't answer for the layout is like what was there. But to be fair, the Tarnista has taken responsibility. He's, he's apologised, um, and 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 you know, move on. Nothing to see here. No, I think that the guidelines of change has been clarity brought. You know, I mean, that is the important thing. Like, equally... The t- murder, there's murder in hospitality, incidentally. They lost huge amounts absolutely. of money. Huge amounts of money. And uh, absolutely, and I know many of my friends work in hospitality uh, who are struggling and who have struggled and, and who are now opening and trying to make ends meet. And it has not been easy. And I accept that totally. And I'm in any way trying to take away from the... the there are, dumb, there are some that say there are some that say that many don't open and won't open because they're making too much in grants. Well, I, I, I don't know. Is that actually truly right. the way it has been 
spoken about. I think the issue of people, you know, in hospitality, there are a number of issues in hospitality. Now. You know, the, there are people saying that they can't get staff because of the pandemic unemployment payment. I don't think that's necessarily all of the answer. I think it's part of it. It's another part of it that people have migrated back to home, in particular to Eastern Europe, uh, and they uh, have not come back. And there are people who've changed careers because they have seen the unsociable okay. hours, they've seen the uncertainty. In they've the got different career paths. And they've, yeah. and they've got different careers. So, so there is a difficulty in it, and we must support and connect. Okay, just finally, because you're the only Fine Gael person that I managed to get my hands on, and thank you for coming on. If it's okay, then for the Taoiseach to apologise, the Taunish to, to apologise, the Taoiseach to back him. Is it okay for the Healy Rays then to be caught out with videos and photographs out of the pub in Kilgarvan? Well, because you know, guidelines I, were I, changing I, all the time. I, I'm not one to cast stones on anybody. That's not how I operate as a politician or as a person. But that is a totally different, you know, from the video that I've seen, and I can't say that it was the correct video, but there, there are, that was a serious breach uh, of, of COVID regulation from, from, from no mask wearing indoors to being served indoors, you know, and, and, and I can't answer that because I wasn't there and I don't want to cast dispersions, but there are questions that have to be asked and answered and I'm sure they will be. Okay, thanks for taking the call. As always, Senator Jerry Bottomer, Fianna Gael Lines, open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. If you have thoughts on that, text 0868 104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851 Red FM. Okay, a very astute texter correctly points out and regards politicians every time they're opening their mouth as waffle, 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 but con- correctly points out that, okay, we had Golfgate, Marion Gate, nothing happens as a consequence while there is a pensioner in prison for not wearing a mask. A woman in Limerick Jail uh, for not wearing a mask. I don't know what the story is with regards to that prison sentence, incidentally, as to whether she is serving time or served any time at all. But she was handed down a jail sentence for repeatedly refusing to wear a mask. That wouldn't have been in the spirit of the guidelines either, would it? But yet it has a completely different consequence. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I'm going to go out the way I started this morning and that is to do with the Cork victory yesterday. Beaten Kilkenny a place in the final. The All-Ireland Hurling final. Frick, good morning. Hi Neil, how's it going? Were back? you there or were you shouting at the box? No, I was there myself. Well, my brother Wack over there, yeah. Yourself and your brother Wacker. Where'd you get tickets? We got tickets through Passage uh, GS Club there, mate. So they were flying around, like they were flying around at the end, you know what I mean? But we probably won't get lucky enough for the final. <laughs> well, if you got to the semi, you shouldn't be entitled to go to the final. should share the love. <laughs> share the love, me ass. <laughs> Did you come down on the train and were the team on it? We were going up the train, but we got the ten past the train, and we were getting a coffee, and all the team were there inside in the tent station. We said for me, brother, we just wished the lads good luck a few, and they were walking past with holidays and that. Oh my God, that must have been incredible! No, young flies, Neil. You know what I mean? We're not old flies by any means, but like they're young flies. When you look at them, all like you know, Rob down there, there's only twenty-two. Like and he did a blind there, sir. They all stood up yesterday. You know what I mean? What was the atmosphere like at Croke Park? I was unbelievable, unbelievable. Like we we got we got the Lewis, you no, know, like uh, from. Houston Station, you sent me brother, but uh, the Lewis was another thing, like jam to the rafters, but you don't mind that. Well, I don't know about that, but we won't even yeah. go there with COVID being stuck yeah, in us like a sardine there. on the Lewis. We got off and we uh, walked up some side street and there was a fella standing at the door, so we uh, we looked at him and my brother said, is there any chance for a point? And he looked, he said, go on, do you want the point? We said, we do, yeah. So he said, go on in there. Signed him with the sign in and that, like so. <laughs> So it was like the good old days, was it? It was like the good old days, is all I said. 
It was like the good old days. We were having a point at 12 o'clock. <laughs> and proper order too, ahead of the semi-final. Yeah, 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 we had about six points in that minute and we had off to the... Up to walked up then up to the but if you had six two. points, right, and then you went to the match, were you not bursting to go to the loo constantly yeah, while the game was Yeah, but we went before we went in like in uh, half or two uh, half time and that yeah. But it was still room there, like but there it was a great crack too. And train back down, down then last night, is it? Yeah, we got the train and uh, like when we got up nearly thought us the train back was five, which was no good. But then on the way up they announced that it was twenty back six. But then when it went into uh, the time, like so the train was delayed to 10 to 7. Well, fair to play to them. Day. They held the train for the Cork supporters. Ah, they did, did that. But need the reason I was on, but it was last, or two weeks ago there, I went down to Tralee to collect my daughter, um, Sasha. She was after having a baby, IV girl. Congratulations. Four weeks old. But we were on, I went down in the 9 o'clock train, she wanted to come up, so I said, be down there for the 11, and we'd hop on the 11 and back up. Right? So, because we're running late. She couldn't run. She was after getting a wreck of stitches. So I was trying to run and me, or I intend to model, and I was bringing the small one <coughs> to the sleep. And the man left the rollers. The train is ready to pull out. So when we got up to fairness, he said, look, I'm sorry. He said, to, from Rodney, he said to me, daughter, he said, I didn't realize you were, uh, leave you run away. He said, you look fit enough. I wasn't here. I'm not fit enough by any means. But got on the train. We went. He said, get on the nearest carriage. Need we got off it. Off at Mallet to change, we waited till all the crow got off, so we got off at the small one, all our gear, dragging the gear off. This man came over, the driver, and he said, Where are you going? We said, The car. He said, Sit there a while. Wait till that other train comes up. He said, We were sitting in the train, was parked up, me, talking to the two lads. I went over and got two coffees. <laughs> they couldn't have been, like, they were brilliant, me. That's but such a kind thing to do. Like, casement, the, casement, the station, I said, is Roger Casement and Kent Station and in between Mallow, like the discovery Casement and Kent and yourself, me living on with those lads. I know. It's not the first time. I also have an email here somewhere where somebody was running for a train at Kent. It was pulling out. And when the train driver or somebody saw them, they stopped the train. <laughs> to yeah, let well, get that on. wouldn't surprise me. But even yesterday, no, when I said to Acker, yes, we got into Euston Station. I know disrespect to the dubs or Euston Station. But like, is it just for an atmosphere when you're going to uh, Euston Station? I don't know. If, I don't know. Is it the friend you just can't hold the gas? No, it's just a foreign country. That's why, you know, it's a it's different... Probably, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. probably it. Come here, mate, by the man. Any tickets for you? No, I said I'd cycle naked down Panna if I got two tickets. No, you cycle naked down Panna, you'll get arrested. Not two tickets. Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't mind that, but I might still get two tickets. <laughs> it's going to start now. I'm going to hear this for the next three weeks. The Voice of Cork, Neil Prendeville. Weekdays 9 to midday. Cork's Red FM.